0: Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman.
1: All right, all right, all right. It's the last day I am here. Thursday. Tomorrow, Tom Brenneman will be back in the saddle from his long, fun, enjoyable trip to Utah. Skiing the mountains, I assume. I don't know if he talked about that before he left. I don't know what was talked about before he left. But I do know if he's able to ski for four straight days, that is, that is quite the feat and impressive. I guess we'll have to ask him tomorrow because ultimately he will be back and I will be gone. Uh, I am going to go take a, uh, an extended vacation starting Saturday. I'm going to be gone for quite some time. I plan to try to take my phone and just turn it off. Unless there's a complete fire... We're going bankrupt, or this, quite frankly, company is, is going to go into, into orbit and be gone by the time I get back, I'm hoping that, essentially, I do nothing. I'll tell you why really quickly, and not that you need to hear a, a big, long, sappy story, but quite frankly, for most of my life, I've been consumed by just trying to build up the businesses that I've been a part of and or my work. Uh, It's not something that I'm saying to be proud about but ultimately that's essentially what I have done and I'm not taking uh, vacations until recently and around the holiday season like most probably parents do I looked around and I seen my my oldest son who's now 11 and yes I did have him probably at way too young of an age and I started thinking to myself like what like like you hear all the time, right? Everyone tells you about it until maybe you experience it. For some weird reason in life, that's just how life goes. You don't really want to believe what other people tell you, especially older people tell you. And then you realize, hey, they were right after all. And I started thinking to myself, I probably, not probably, but I need to start focusing on maybe a little more of my attention to my family. And I thought, you know what? The best thing that one can do is just get away with them and try to turn everything off. So I'm going to do that starting Saturday. But that's Saturday. Today's Thursday. At least we think it's Thursday. Casey thought it was Wednesday, Tuesday, and he thought it was Monday, Sunday. So I think I think we're on Thursday, but maybe not. So while I was making my, my monologue, my esteemed colleagues of mine, they were asking me, what are we going to talk about? What are you going to talk about? Is there anything that you want to talk about? I said, well, we'll talk about Xavier. Uh, They had their big win over Villanova last night. And by big win, of course, I mean a a closer loss. So
2: mean. So mean.
1: (laughs) That makes three big wins on the season for the Xavier Musketeers. You got, of course, the Purdue Boilermakers. They were supposed (laughs) to get blown out in that game, and they held it tight. They only lost by, I think, eight or nine. And then Houston comes into town, and, and, and of course, that was a game in which they were supposed to get blown out by because Houston's a great team. But as we know, the Sentaz Center is a tough place to play. So instead of of only winning by eight or nine, they they only lost by a few points there. And then last night against Villanova, they held them close, lost by one. Now, Villanova was without their star player. Uh, Justin Moore, who's their leading scorer, he sat the bench. And by sat the bench, I mean he just wasn't able to play. Xavier uh, was without anyone that could make a layup. They missed 10 layups Just, last night. You guys didn't watch. 10 layups. But I can't. Now, the good news here, this is the silver lining. That's why if you're a Xavier fan, you tune into this show because I'm going to uplift you. The good news is, is that if you can clean up the layups, which most people would say, that's the easiest shot in basketball. <laughs> when you're telling a five-year-old when they're first learning how to play, hey, the goal is to try to get a layup. You know Why? Because it's the easiest one to make. If they can clean that up, I'm sure the Muskies will have an enjoyable experience come Selection Sunday.
2: What is is with the Muskie hate in this room?
1: Meanwhile, FC Cincinnati, they made a bunch of news. Uh, they made a bunch of news, and we'll get into that on this show. And by I mean my uh, getting into it, I mean if we run out of topics of conversation between now and then, and we need to get to that, we will towards the end of the show. I promise to the FC faithful, we will discuss that. Casey, it sounds like as I was walking in, had some uh, had some stolen tape from him, and we'll get into that perhaps to discuss. Jose Barrero, I don't know if you seen it or not, but he hit a bomb last night that was circulating all over Twitter. He's playing in the winter the Dominican league and he's hitting like 350 and now all of a sudden hey everybody's wondering what about Barrero where is he gonna go do we have a spot for him who does he have to take you can't have all these guys all I'm saying it's January 4th maybe we can just pump the brakes a little bit we'll see we'll we'll see what spring training has to hold for some of these guys nothing like Cincinnati sports than putting people on a pedestal as fast as you can Maybe they do that in other cities too. I don't know. I also wonder in other cities do you have fan bases that bark about which franchise is the best? Remember that last year it was the Bengals fans making fun of Reds fans and Reds fans now are making fun of Bengals fans. It's like what what are we doing here? We have some Pro Bowl snubs. We got Reed's top 5. We got buy or sell. We got so much more. And by so much more I mean we're probably going to do a draft on which uniforms are the best in the NFL because we don't want to overly talk about topics that you're probably tired of hearing about. So if you have something you want us to talk about, by all means, be my guest, put it in the chat. Maybe it'll make the cut. Maybe it won't, but uh, Read, you were trying to cut me off during my monologue. Did you have something to say?
2: Well, yeah, it was just so disrespectful. I mean, just just so disrespectful. I mean, you. What well, was you, disrespectful? You brought, Did I you, say anything wrong? About about the whole Xavier thing. Listen, I don't get where the Xavier hate comes from. You're you're just sitting up there. You ended your monologue with, I don't understand why we tear down other teams, in this I don't. City. And you're just tearing down Xavier. Here's the thing: is is the reason that people don't like Xavier? because they've been the most successful sports team in this city over the past 20 years? Is that the reason that people dislike Xavier? What team in this city has been to the Elite Eight of their sport more times than Xavier in the past 20 years? I'll give you an answer. No team has.
1: And that's the beautiful thing. The Reds have only
2: been twice. The Bengals have only been twice. Okay, I'm listening. UC's been a big old fat zero once in football, I guess. I guess. But – it's the most successful team and you're just tearing them down. Just tearing them down. Well, I didn't tear
1: them down at all, Reed. I think what I said was is nothing but facts. I, I, I just said that these were great losses. There's they're so great they're so they're good like losses that they, they feel like wins. Yeah. I mean that is what they are. That is what they've been deemed. That's the that's the perception that has been that has been fulfilled within my timeline and around the <laughs> city is they, they played great against Purdue. I mean, right. they did. They That's played right. great against Purdue. Right. Did you see the fight they had against Houston? Right. I mean, they went on the road to Villanova, and they right. only lost by one, and they missed 10 layups. They also— You can't possibly tell me that isn't a great story to tell. <laughs> awesome. I'm telling it. I'm telling the people that, that if you're a Xavier fan,
2: you have to be thrilled. <laughs> you can't possibly be— Less excited. Also, you're forgetting the time when Xavier went into Hoboken, New Jersey. A couple days after the Seton Hall Pirates punished the reigning national champs, UConn Huskies, and and Xavier took them to the woodshed. This is a Xavier team that will finish higher when it's said and done in the net than the UC Bearcats. Mark my
3: words here on January 5th. I don't think it'll happen, but it certainly could. UC plays the toughest schedule I've ever seen in my entire life. They're about to go up against the Gauntlet starting Saturday night, but.
2: Not as uh, hard as the Big East, but yeah.
3: Well, it's way, it's significantly harder.
2: You're telling me Kansas is harder than going to Hoboken, New Jersey to play the Seton Hall Pirates? Ridiculous.
3: (laughs) Ridiculous. I don't even know what we're doing here. I, listen, I don't make fun of Xavier anymore. I I like Quincy Olivari. I want credit for it. I think he's a very good player. He almost chose UC. Went with Xavier. That's okay, but there's a respect there. There's a lot of respect, and that's fine. I I, I watched uh, the first half and the start of the second half yesterday for Xavier before I had to leave where I was at. Uh, they they looked okay. They didn't look they didn't look terrible. I thought they it looked, looked pretty okay. bad.
2: If they would have if they would have snuck out that win, that would have. I mean, they had no business winning that game whatsoever. Like like you guys have mentioned, 10, 10 missed layups. They looked very bad. Defense wasn't there, but. Well, Quincy scat- Oliveri didn't play well at all. Des Claude had had moments of doing doing nice things, but at the end couldn't finish. So
3: if they would have walked out with a win, that would have been incredible. But they didn't. They didn't. It's not
2: just it's not Xavier's. Well, Z- I was
3: on Xavier Twitter and, and a lot of there was a lot of people trying to stay positive. Um, and it was because
1: That was a great idea. I, I don't know who put that up there, but that I don't know why it was there in the first place. I also, Shy yeah. Town. Shout out to Kelly, his wife's watching
2: out Kelly, hi Kelly. Is her last name Shy Town Real? Is she
3: Kelly Shy Town Real Estate? Yes, no, she she's is Kelly Real Estate. Kelly gotcha. Real Estate. His first name
4: Yeah.
1: Go ahead, go ahead, Elliot. No, no so I was, I was
3: on Twitter, and by Twitter I mean X.com, and, and I was looking around the the Xavier Twitter sphere, and nobody actually uses their name on Xavier Twitter. Apparently, it's just a bunch of burners, which I find to be strange. But to each their own. You guys can have your own burners, and, and, and basically what what I, what I was finding on on X was. This was really a moral victory. So you look at this game, and you played your guts out. It was on the road against a tough Villanova team, who, by the way, you're now 4-18 and against all time.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Let me know how your first 22 games go against Kansas, but yeah. Okay, I'll let you know. Hey, this was uh,
1: now This is where you guys take it off the rails. I started the show off with nothing but positivity. I brought up all the great things that happened for the Muskies, and you have flipped it on its complete turn to complete 180. You ever heard people say a complete 360, by the way? Those people are idiots. Because if you don't know, 360 is all the way back around from where you started from. So if anyone says they did a complete 360, you just immediately got to know. Not a whole lot of brain cells there. So 180, for those that are keeping count. Okay. I don't understand... Why are turning it into this? Because that's not what this was about. This was about the fact that they played a tough team yesterday in Villanova. Uh, Kirby already brought it up in the chat. They jumped up. The Muskies jumped up two points in the net. That was a positive night. That's a good night. If you play a basketball game and you finish the game and you move up in the net rankings, you won. That's Thank how it works. You. Thank you. That's how it works. Thank, Thank you. you. We're going to move you. <laughs> on because otherwise, Wait, Can you right play? before the show started, I was in the middle of nothing but, but putrid hate. There was nothing but just vitriol, just, just warm in my desk. You know why? Because we had Casey and Reed just down each other's necks, 2 2 seconds before the monologue started. So I was trying to bring some positivity up and here we go again. Reed, of course, as always, flipping it around and making it negative because we I all know Reed is the world's most negative guy. That's if true. you've ever hung around Reed, he'll just bring you down. He's just Mr. Negativity. Casey, he's always optimistic no matter right. what happens. So, Casey you had mentioned before this show started that you were you were a little upset, but then you came around to
0: it. Where's all this? Where's all this discussion? Why? Why the discussion, Casey McAllister? So I, I brought up the uh, the idea of Cam Taylor-Britt be, being a Pro Bowl snub, which I, he he probably was right on the, the verge there. The fan vote had him at four. And I think I think you get four guys to go in uh, at corner, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you get four. The four that ended up going in the AFC were Pat Sertan, Sauce Gardner, Jalen Ramsey, Denzel Ward. I think Denzel Ward and Sauce Gardner probably deserve to be in there. Um, Jalen Ramsey only played half the year, like that's probably just because he has a name. And then Pat Sertan, you look at the the numbers. They're very comparable to Cam Taylor-Britt. I think Cam Taylor-Britt has more interceptions and more tackles than Pat. The only difference is the the yardage is a little different. So I, it is what it is. It's not a big deal. I hope that uh, Cam Taylor-Britt eventually comes around. But the conversation ended up shifting because that wasn't the only Pro Bowler that got snubbed for a very long time that just recently got his first Pro Bowl nod, Jesse Bates. And of course, Reed asked me a very simple question that, I mean, I didn't know off the top of my head. I'm not, I'm not a info book. I don't, I don't have the the whole, you're not Wikipedia. Yeah. I'm not Wikipedia. I don't have baseball reference in my mind. Like Reed does. Yeah, you,
1: you got that right.
0: And I said, no, Jesse Bates does not have any all pros. Well, turns out he had second team, all pro one in his entire career. Which I just thought was a little a little unfair because Jesse Bates was a great safety for a very long second time. Second team
1: all pro is kinda like when you when you if you think about it, just for a second, Casey, not to cut you off here, but if you think about it, second team all pro is kinda like is it's like winning when you don't win. Correct. You know what I'm saying? It's kinda like Correct. losing a basketball game but moving up in the net. That's kind of what it's like. You kind of lost, but you really won.
0: Go ahead, Casey. Right. And so I just was a little upset because I thought Jesse Bates deserved more Pro Bowls here in Cincinnati. I'm very happy that he got a Pro Bowl nod finally. Definitely well-deserved. I think he led the league, at least at the safety position, for interceptions. So kudos to him. Had one of the best uh, graded years, according to PFF. safety. And so I I just, you know, was just saying like there's a lot of other guys that I think the Bengals have missed out on being pro bowlers. And Reed pushed back on the idea, which it's a it's really a silly idea. This is has no ground that Cincinnati players get snubbed all the time. That that's pretty much what I was implying. Reed just wanted to push back on that and say that's not true.
2: I think it's a tired thing when people talk about like, why don't we get respected? I think we talked about it on the show yesterday. Why doesn't Cincinnati get brought up in the national media? Everyone does it. When the Bengals win three games in a row, you're like, is Colin Coward, is Nick Wright gonna talk about us today? When the when the Reds go on a 10-game win streak, you're like, Are the Reds gonna be talked about on Sports Center? Are they gonna be in the national media? I don't I always thought that was tired. Listen, Cincinnati's a small market, small teams, Cherish what we have here in this city. Don't worry about what people in the, the wider country care about because, listen, their, their opinions don't matter.
0: So. Well, here, here's where I push back on that idea just a little bit because there's one other guy that I want to talk about that it doesn't have anything to do with Pro Bowl because Trey Hendrickson did get the Pro Bowl nod. But there is no conversation for him whatsoever on Defensive Player of the Year. Right. I mean, and he's tied for be. sacks. There probably he's, shouldn't be. What do you mean, shouldn't be?
2: There's, there's three people more deserving. Like, he's had a fantastic year. No one's de- denying that, but he shouldn't be Defensive Player of the Year.
0: But have you looked at the odds? Have you looked at the. Do you see how much disrespect that the. No, they're not fair at not all. He's not going to win let it, me, Casey. Let me, let me list all the guys that are ahead of Trey Hendrickson, okay? Miles Garrett definitely probably fair. should deserve. Micah Parsons. T.J. Watt, Fair. Max Crosby, sure. Hunter Deneal, Josh oh. Allen, Hunter Daniil, <laughs> the Vikings edge rusher, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, Roquan Smith, Deron Bland, I don't know why he's that far down, Aiden Hutchinson, Justin Matabike, Chris Jones, Hassan Reddick. Fred Warner, and then tied with Kyle Hamilton and Jalen Carter, the rookie is Trey Hendrickson at plus twenty five thousand.
4: And he he is it.
0: tied currently for the 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 sack number. He's only one turnover difference than T.J. Watt. I mean, I think it's a little disrespectful, and he also leads. I'm pretty sure he's in the top three in and pass rush win rates. So I don't I don't know. I just think it's a little bit of a, a um unfair that he doesn't get more of a of a conversation because without him his Bengals defense is 100 percent abysmal has nothing
2: all right
1: Fine. so you that's a that's a that's a good a good thought i mean if without trey hendrickson you think that the Bengals defense would be significantly worse Significantly worse. So instead of I'm just saying instead of it being Hendrickson, and again I know this is a little bit of a lightning rod type of uh, player because you have a young player, and if they don't perform early, then all of a sudden they get some narrative written about them, and then all of a sudden maybe you just it's tough to come back from a bad first impression, and that's certainly what Murphy has been. And some people that watch tape significantly think Murphy has made progress, but if you had Murphy instead of Hendrickson, you'd think it would be significantly a significant drop off like there would be clear noticeable issues or are you just overvaluing Hendrickson. Well,
0: that's the only pressure that's that that is even present on the Bengals defensive line at the current moment is Trey Hendrickson. So you take that away and they really don't get any pressure home. So I mean, the 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 drop off like what you're talking about is probably like 3 quarters of Trey Hendrickson's production currently. I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, listen, the whole Pro Bowl, All-Pro thing, I don't think anyone that watches football significantly really cares about it. I really don't. I, I could be wrong about that. Maybe there's a select few amount of people that are like, wow, you know, like my favorite player didn't get All-Pro or my favorite player didn't get a get a Pro Bowl not. Like the Pro Bowl has become uh, pretty much the biggest joke in all of sports. We used to make fun of the All-Star game in baseball when in when it was so laughable that they would tie at the end of the game, then all of a sudden everyone was in an uproar about that because they ran out of pitchers and there was a tie and – How could you possibly have an all-star game? It used to mean something back in the days when, you know, you had all the guys that didn't play this interleague stuff. Now they're all friends. I hate that. They're all friends now. They don't want to play each other. And then all of a sudden, uh, what is it, Bud Selig, I think it was, was like, you know what, we're going to fix that. We're going to make the World Series depend on who gets home field advantage for the all-star game. And then, you know what, that brought a little bit of spark to it, brought a little bit of life to it. Um, That is not the case anymore. They kind of took that away, which I think is more than fair, but... The pro ball has reached the level now to where you can just get rid of it, right? Or if nothing else, I guess they're trying to implement it to be more of like they're going to sneak in a flag football game now. Like that's the idea. So clearly the NFL knows they're in a situation where it's tough to play a game where people inevitably are probably going to get hurt if it's played somewhat serious at all. And if you're not going to play serious, then nobody really cares to watch because there's nothing to watch because the game that you love – doesn't exist so i don't it's nothing more than just an award and most times awards for all intents and purposes just come down to a beauty competition and not that many people want to talk about the baseball hall of fame on this show but the baseball hall of fame certainly has flaws in it you have people posting pictures of their ballots now on x and the reason for not voting for Gary Sheffield is because, why? Well, he'll be on the ballot next year. Well, the person that's making these votes was unaware that he was not going to be on the ballot next year. Seems like a flaw in the system. Now, I get it. Big numbers, mass numbers. One will always show its head and be kind of, you know, maybe an outlier to where you shouldn't focus and harness all your energy on the one forgotten person that doesn't know what they're doing and you have a a system that has a ton of people that are doing a really good job so your system as a whole is is solid but it's not a good look for major league baseball either when they're hall of fame and i know it's not major league baseball it's the it's the baseball writers uh hall of fame but for all intents and purposes it is the sports hall of fame doesn't have a good look to it when you have people that vote on the actual subject and they don't even really know all of the the details that are at hand so I I do not put a lot of stock in it. I know as a sports talk show, and maybe this is why we're a little bit different sometimes in sports talk shows, I just don't want to make a big deal about who got in, who got out, or who got this award, or who got that award. I do think it's a reasonable discussion to say, how worthy is Hendrickson? And that's why I asked the question. Is Hendrickson that much better than everybody else to where if he was gone, like a J.J. Watt, would you
0: notice Yes. Or a TJ Watt. Yeah, I think you would notice a significant drop off on the Bengals defense if Trey Hendrickson was gone.
2: I don't, I don't, I, I agree. Like, I think Trey Hendrickson, absolutely, you'd notice him if he wasn't on the field. Like, it, that's undeniable considering he damn near leads the league in sacks. The question I have is, does he, does he, do opposing offensive coordinators fear Trey Hendrickson the way that opposing coordinators fear Micah Parsons? The way that opposing coordinators fear Miles Garrett, the way that opposing coordinators fear TJ Watt. When we go into a game with the Browns, we talk about Miles Garrett for a week. When we go into a game with the Steelers, we talk about TJ Watt for a week. When people play the Bengals, do they talk about Trey Hendrickson for a week? Oftentimes it's a, oh yeah, they've got a nice pass rusher on the edge. It's not the game plan isn't around stopping Trey Hendrickson more often than not. So that's where like when you talk about all these guys that are that are true. Defensive player of the year, guys. They are – they they when they're on the field, they affect the entire defense because more attention is going to be brought to them. Opposing teams are shifting their game plan around him. I don't think that's the case with Trey Hendrickson. And I love Trey Hendrickson. I just don't think that's the case.
0: I think the only guy that deserves, like, kudos for that sort of thing is Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett has done it with nobody to help him out on the other side. T.J. Watt has had Cam Hayward – and another guy on the other side for most of his career.
1: Is this Sam is this Sam Hubbard disrespect right now or no?
0: It's not it's not necessarily it's Sam not Hubbard disrespect. I just think that though the, the the defensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers has had significant guys on him, even before TJ Watt. Miles Garrett, on the other hand, he he is truly uh a, a phenom. I mean, he is a like 6'6", 275, pure muscle, just athlete tj watt is like all six two you know i i don't know we're not going to get into the comparisons here but i i think that what you bring up is is fair um do coordinators fear trey hendrickson probably not as much as those guys but i think that that, that's why the conversation should be i mean he leads the league in sacks that's what i was gonna say he should be in that conversation at some point and because that there's not another guy there, we'll never know that, like, if he does end up getting this attention that he does to serve, whether or not he can, you know, be a Miles Garrett or a TJ Watt. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, I don't know. My point to what you're saying is, is if, if,
1: should it be about the opinions of what someone else thinks of you in regards to what your worth is? Or should your worth just be based off what you've done on the field? Because if the question is, is well, defensive, you know, defensive coordinators don't stay up at night worrying about Trey Hendrickson, well, maybe they should. I mean, maybe they should. If, well, if, if he has the same amount of sacks as all these other guys were worrying about, at some point you'd think that you would worry about that guy. I don't know. But I I I'm with you. Here's the narrative in Cincinnati that seems to become tired at times for me. And it's that. Whenever we have a player in this town that is a, is, we'll call it a good player, maybe a great player, it's that the national media or they don't get the respect they deserve. Well, there's a lot of great players in a league. And until you kind of either do one of two things, you over, you, you, you play over your head or you play great for so long they can't ignore you, which is what Hendricks would have to do, or you come out of the draft and you come from a high Profile place that you're already well known about before you get there, then you would. Joe Burrow, we all know, is a superstar. Joe Burrow is one of the most well known NFL players that there are. I would argue it's yes because he's gotten to the Super Bowl and it's yes because he's great, but it's also because of what he did before he got to the NFL. No one knew who Trey Hendrickson was before he got to the NFL. This wasn't some well known guy. It's not like he was Jadavion Clowney or a Miles Garrett type. Uh, Miles Garrett, again, is a guy that has some controversy that has surrounded him as well. And I'm not just suggesting that that is, a, that is something that you would like for your players to get. But some of that comes from notoriety as well. I mean, Richard Sherman, if he never talked, if Richard Sherman never said a word, if Richard Sherman didn't, you know, basically be flamboyant, would anybody really know who he was right. while he was playing? No. I mean, Jalen Ramsey is another good example. Ocho Cinco was a very, very well-known wide receiver. Yes, it was partly because he was a good wide receiver, but it was mostly because of the the antics that came with him, which aren't bad. I enjoy that. I know that many people probably, that's a turn off to them, when the way way in which certain people act in certain times, but these guys are professionals, man. I mean, the the vast majority of these guys are professionals. I don't see having fun or, or doing something extra as a, you know, as a sideshow, all that bad of a thing. Unless you think that other players on the team find it annoying, then at that point, maybe you'd have an argument. But if you're including your teammates and you're having fun, which I think Ocho Cinco did for most of his career, I don't have a problem with it. Maybe you do. But that's why some people get more, call it respect, or they get talked about more in the media than others. And if if you like a guy that just puts his head down and plays hard, and he lets his, his play speak for itself, that's what Trey Hendrickson has done. He's not a huge, flamboyant guy. And I'm not trying to be mean, but we can also all agree that his physique doesn't help him. Right? I mean, if you look at Miles Garrett, if you uh, you laugh all you want, but it's the truth. If you look at Miles Garrett, you think to yourself, wow, I should probably pay attention to this guy. He looks like he's going to be a good football player. I don't... I. This is, this is all the respect in the world. Some people are going to think this is a ricochet shot. If you look at Trey Hendrickson, that is not what comes to mind. Oh, Tell me I'm
0: wrong. You guys are laughing at me. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm just going to steal Everett's comment here. Are we body shaming Trey <laughs> Hendrickson right now? <laughs> what was, what that? was that? What was that? What was that?
2: What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like is Trey Hendrickson as scary as Miles Garrett? No. But like...
1: I want you to answer the question. What I said...
0: What I said, people
1: in chat is like, oh
0: wow, lava. Is what I said actually wrong? Trey Hendrickson looks like a nice cuddly bear. T.J. Watt picture? looks Look like at that a, a picture. thug. There's,
2: there, there, there's him with his shirt off. He looks great. He looks great. Oh,
0: yeah. So, Hang on. Let me let so, me get that photo. He looks ripped. Go ahead. You, you looks, find you here's find. Here's the thing. So
2: you you guys were talking about like right before you you started talking about that bull junk, Trace. You said <laughs> you said that like what you do on the field matters. Why, does, why do these periphery things matter when voting for a defensive player of the year? I mean, we have the same conversation literally every single year in almost every single sport about the most valuable player. We talk about, like, well, how valuable is, is he to the team, right? It's not just what they do on the field. If you do what they do just on the field, and Brock Purdy has the best stats, right? He's going to throw for the most yards. He's going to have the most touchdowns. Give it to Brock. Give it to Tua. But, no, we're not going to give it to him because we know – that Lamar Jackson's a more valuable player because of what he does for the team, all the things that he does for the team. And that's the point that I was making when I said that, like, yeah, Trey Hendrickson's stats are right there, right? They're, they're right there with the best defensive players. I love Trey Hendrickson. I hope Trey Hendrickson finishes his career, a long, prosperous career for the Cincinnati Bengals. But to sit here and say that he, that he imposes fear, that he, doesn't, that, that he affects the rest of the defense like a Miles Garrett does, would, would just be dishonest.
1: It could be dishonest. And Aaron,
2: Donald, and Aaron Donald's another name that, that gets thrown out there.
1: Fair enough. I, I, at the end of all of this, the reason the conversation started in the first place about all of this is because you felt like, and I say you as in Casey and, and, and Reed, were discussing whether or not there was respect and whether or not there was merit to some guys, whether they should get a Pro Bowl or All Pro or whatever it is in the, in the first place. And at the end of it all, I'm just not sure that people care about whether or not someone gets an award or doesn't get an award people Um, don't
3: but it is incentivized in their contracts that's yeah and
1: and drew did mention that so to be fair to be fair i'm not saying it's it it has no merit at all hey yeah i mean listen that's
0: look at that look at the the veins popping out man right i think i you know what he's an nfl player i'm not suggesting he doesn't wear gloves i i think it's because of the sleeves now, I think it's of the sleeves. He's got to stop wearing sleeves so then we can see those guns.
2: Does Trey lack a little bit of drip? Does he lack a little bit of drip? Sure. Is he the swaggiest player on the field? No. But he's ours, God damn it. He's ours. <laughs> he's ours. That's our guy. And we'll rally behind him all we can. You know what? You know what? Defensive player of the year, Trey Hendrickson. Miles Garrett be darned. Give it to Trey. <laughs> That's right. National you, media you, put some respect on us.
1: Trey Hendrickson's the guy right now on the Minnesota sports talk show. When they were when they were rattling through the names of people that were the uh, the odds on favorite to win defensive player of the year, and Casey got to their defensive end or their edge rusher, and and you were like, I don't know how to say his name. That's what they're doing in Minnesota right now with Trey Hendrickson. They they're like Trey Hendrickson, I maybe we've seen him obviously in, they did no, play actually, Minnesota with, to be fair all, in all due but.
2: respect to Trey Hendrickson we we when we got him there was a lot of uh, rumors flying around because he just come off a career year with the New Orleans is Saints. he the
1: best free agent signing in the past 15 years in Cincinnati sports uh
2: sure yeah sure yeah sure yeah undoubtedly um you know, when, when we signed Trey Hendrickson, there was a lot of things flying around. Like he just come off his career year with New Orleans, and everyone's like, "Well, he had those sack numbers." But if you watch the tape, if you watch the tape, they're really they're really Cam Jordan sacks. Trey Hendrickson just got them as they got pushed his way, and you're like, "Well, I mean, I hope that's not the case." And in every year that he's been here, he's improved. He's gotten better. The numbers have gotten better. So he, I mean, that that narrative when we signed him has just been blown to pieces. He has been worth every penny that we've that we've paid him.
1: And for a guy that drugged uh, Duke Tobin yesterday through the mud a little bit, for every Nick Scott that he signs, he 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 has at least signed Trey Hendrickson. So that's that's a little bit of a wash. I don't know if that's fair or not, but Hendrickson obviously has been very, very vital and important to the Cincinnati Bengals. Aroldis
2: Chapman was mentioned in the chat.
1: I don't see it. Um, Listen, like it or not, as a Reds fan, the Bengals franchise itself, when you have Trey Hendrickson and he gets brought over and you go to the Super Bowl and you go to the AFC Championship, Aroldis Chapman, I get it. they, they, They made the postseason, but at the same time, it's hard for me to convince myself to say that he was a bigger free agent signing than Trey Hendrickson. But at that point, we're getting kind of into the mud and talking about things that, that I don't want to say don't matter or doesn't make any sense, but that's kind of where we are headed. Um, sticking to – I don't want to talk really long about this. I really don't. And maybe we will, but I, I'm going to try to keep it brief. Listen, I—I Reds fans sometimes – and I get that that social media is what it is at times – but Jose Barrero has had great stints at certain places. He's had a good he's had a good winter league. There's no doubt about it. He's also played really well in AAA. A. Like it or not, if, my, if memory serves me right, he's a minor league player of the year. He has played good baseball before. It's just that when the when the lights have gotten bright, he hasn't performed. And the sample size is unbelievably small. So I'm not going to say that he can't do it. I'm just saying that he hasn't done it. And in, in order for me to get excited about a guy like Jose Barrero, it would require just a little bit of success when it matters the most. We We've watched sports long enough to know. At least I think I have, and I'm sure that you think that you have. That there is a major difference between certain levels. There is a major difference. And I would even say there's different levels within, within Major League Baseball itself. There's also different levels to when you perform in certain stages. The next question that this young team is going to have is, yeah, they've played well during the regular season. And yes, they've played in some meaningful baseball games but they've not played in real meaningful baseball games. So if this team were to fall short at some point in the postseason, the the inevitable quick question is going to be, well, can they get it done in the postseason? And then if they can't get it done during maybe the first round, then it'll be, can they get it done in the championship? And if they can't get it done, if they get it done in the championship and they don't win the World Series, then the question will be, can they win the World Series? That's what sports become. And I would say there's a little bit of a different degree of success in all of those. So before I run around and I worry about roster spots and where this guy's gonna go, I'm just gonna realize that it'll all sort itself out. And if you're Nick Crawl, there has to be at least a little bit of a thought of moving guys while there's value. I know we wanna keep as many as we can Get the logic behind it. But I'll also understand that you can only play nine players at one time. So if you have value and you have perceived depth, then you have to make hard decisions. Maybe the biggest decision that's going to get made isn't India after all. Maybe the biggest decision is what do you do with a guy like Barrero who goes to spring training and hits 500. But I'll at least wait to find out. Not going to make that decision now. The guys like Stuart Fairchild obviously still have to earn their keep.
3: Do you put uh, any stock in uh, the Reds? There's a lot. There's a narrative out there regarding Jose Barrera that the Reds ruined his career by calling him up too early. Do you put any stock into that?
1: I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. I know that there's reasons to where that could show its face and I I understand the the logic behind well you don't want to bring someone up too soon and lose their confidence and then and then their confidence is shot I would just say that if you don't have the mental makeup to be able to 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 try to overcome the hurdle of not having success early in your career then you don't have the makeup to be a successful major league baseball player over any somewhat extended period of time anyways If you can't overcome just, oh, he got brought up when he was 20 years old and he struggled and he got sent back down, he was never the same. Well, he wasn't going to make it anyways because the best players in the world are going to struggle at some point at the major league level and they're going to have doubts or whatever small doubts it may be, but they are able to overcome them. So I don't believe in that. No, it seems. I think if anything, I'll tell you who's proven that. And I don't mean to. Again, this isn't. These aren't stray shots. These are just me trying to say, hey, th- like think about it this way. The opposite of what you're talking about would be a guy like Aquino. You couldn't possibly come up and played better than Aquino did. And what ultimately ended up happening, anyways? The old phrase, water finds its level, I know people are tired of hearing that, but water found its level, and you found out the level was lower than what it needed to be. Baseball is as much mental as we all know as it is physical, and I'm just here to tell you that you don't ruin someone's mental makeup. You reveal someone's mental makeup. It's as simple as that. And that's not just baseball, that's life. Because oftentimes in life, you can have great circumstances when you grow up. You get great parents. You come from a lot of money, blah, 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 blah. But in, inevitably, at some point in everyone's life, there will come a point of controversy and or you're going to have to face something that you have to own. And it's up to you whether or not you handle it right or wrong. I don't think that you can get broken by coming up too early in the major leagues. I think that's the again, this is my opinion, of course. But I think that's the biggest myth that we have going in Major League Baseball, or baseball in general.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you. the The only thing about Jose Barrero though, I mean, he was called up. The Reds basically needed a body. He was sent up straight from Double A, I think. I think that was the, uh, essentially, what happened there. But, I he hasn't shown like you mentioned Aquino. Aquino sh- has has shown in spurts that he belongs in the majors. Jose Barrero hasn't really shown that, and I think that's, I think that's the disconnect. He can hit as well as he can down low or in the minor leagues. But I I, I just don't see him as a major league player. And I don't know how much value he has uh, with how much time he's played in the big leagues.
1: Can we use Will Benson as an example then? And I know we said we weren't going to sit here and talk about um, the Reds for long. And, of course, inevitably they'll probably spend an hour on it or something. But Will Benson is very much uh, points to the example that I'm getting ready to use with Barrero. At some point, though, within this window of opportunity – you get to a point where you know that your window's closing or you're at the end of your rope, but this is your last chance. Yep. Sometimes that is what it takes for you to remove the fearful nature that you've played with before. I really do believe that. I think that if you get called up, some guys are ready to go. They're not worried about it. And some guys obviously over, they say they start pressing and they don't play well. I think you can make the argument that Barrero has done that because he's seen what was behind him. He's not an idiot. He knew that he knew that De La Cruz and Matt McLean and these guys were right behind him. And he knew that if he did not perform last year at the beginning of the year, he was going to get sent down inevitably for these other guys. So that definitely plays its role a little bit. It reminds me sometimes of college football when you have two good quarterbacks, right? And I would argue if you have a good or great quarterback, you probably don't have any quarterback competitions. But for all intents and purposes... Sometimes when you have two QBs of the, of the same, you know, talent level, it works against both of them because they're both worried when they go in the game that if they make any mistake at all, the other guy's coming in. But I would just tell you that if you have those guys, then at the end of the day, you don't really have anything anyways, because when, in pressure, when the pressure gets to championship level, though, both of those guys are going to crack. Because mentally, neither one of them are strong enough to handle what it actually takes to win a championship anyways. So my point is, is, who cares? If you if you send them up and they crack, send them back down and they bring them back. Will Benson's a perfect example. Will Benson pressed when he got up here the, at the beginning of the Do we think that Will Benson went down to AAA and somehow they, they changed the swing and magically Will Benson become one of the best players for the Reds the rest of the year once he came back up? No. And he's mentioned that even on an interview that Nick Kirby did with him at Reds Fest. At some point, you realize, hey... This is just a game. I'm going to relax. I'm going to try to play. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And at that point, for whatever dumb reason, we've all played sports. Most of us have played sports. Even if when you go play a round of golf yourself, as soon as you stop caring and you relax and you don't care anymore, everybody's like, wow, I just started playing better. Well, that's because obviously psychologically sports are hard. So I think for Jose Barrero to finish it out, he has an opportunity this year in spring training to prove a point. And I think he's got one last chance with the Reds. But I don't think he has one last chance at Major League Baseball, to be clear. I do think that he can get moved, traded somewhere else, find, it, find somewhere where they're, where they're willing to play him 162 games no matter what, and, and something clicks and he figures it out.
3: And that's fair. That's being an optimist. I just think, you, you know, you say water finds its level. I think, it, I think it's level. I, I don't think in four years, and uh, none, none of the numbers have changed really at all, So he gets on base 24% of the time. I I, I think he's a fine player. I don't root against people, especially because of the the, the situation of him arriving to the big leagues out of necessity. We needed a guy, uh, and he was the only man to call up at that time, which is why a farm system, I guess, is so crucial because we literally had no other guys to bring up. But, yeah, I think think Jose Barrero eventually uh, will maybe find his way in the big leagues, just it will not be with the Cincinnati Reds he will not do anything this spring training to convince me otherwise
1: i would say that um, for those that want to cast him off that want to say that they they they're over with him and all those things i'm not saying be careful per se but i am saying that it there's there's some similarities to me and and uh, edwin Encarnacion. i think edwin Encarnacion, yes he played significant time with the uh, with the reds at third base but people were over him right they're like ah this guy he's, he's can't field makes mistakes can't hit And you've seen the talent, though. You could kind of tell, hey, there's something here. And then he obviously leaves and he goes on and he has a pretty damn good career. And that's the crazy thing about all this as well, is that sometimes in order for somebody to kind of get themselves into a position where they play well, you got to leave. And it's always easy to remember the guys that left your team and went on somewhere else and played well, but you, you, you easily forget the guys that left their team came to you and they played well as well. Sonny Gray is a pretty good example of that. We don't talk about how Sonny Gray was pretty bad with the Yankees. But he came to Cincinnati and and pitched great. Like it or not, Trevor Bauer was a a, a good pitcher, but he wasn't a Cy Young pitcher. He came to the Reds, became Cy Young. So you, you easily forget the things that are good that have happened to you. You remember the bad. I was just saying, Jose Barrero, he's got a puncher's chance with the Reds. And if it doesn't happen for the Reds, I do genuinely think he has a chance to, to, to play in Major League Baseball. We'll find, we'll find that out another day. Um, do you... I listened to the radio a, a little bit yesterday. I got a mm-hmm. clip of, of Zach Taylor talking. Zach Taylor mentioned um, how important, and, and this is where definitely some coach speak here, but how important he felt like it was to try to prove to this for this culture and this fan base that, that that they're about winning and that this weekend is about winning. I don't want to say do you believe him, but is that something where even though the public might like laugh about and chuckle about that he's being dead serious?
2: I <clears throat> I don't know. Like so I yesterday on, on Twitter I threw out this tweet about how the Bengals played the one of the hardest schedules in league history and they're still eight and eight, chance to go nine and eight. And everyone like took it as oh, you're making excuses for the season. And and it wasn't that kind of a tweet at all. What it was is it was an appreciation post for Zach Taylor. I think that what Zach Taylor has done this year with the Cincinnati Bengals shouldn't go unnoticed. Playing one of the toughest schedules, playing in a division that's going to have three teams make the postseason, playing 15 of 17 games against teams that, going into the last week, think they can make the postseason, and doing it with a quarterback quarterback only healthy one-third of the season – that's impressive, and I think the coach should should get some, some, uh, some merit for that. And I don't know if he gets enough. I don't know. if – I really like. Th- there's there's detractors. There's two different people here in this town. There's those that don't like Zach Taylor. Those that do like Zach Taylor. I'm very much in the camp that I like Zach Taylor. I, the, the Bengals absolutely should go out and try to win this. I don't know. I don't know what else there is to say about this. I don't. I don't know.
3: And, and well, and, and the uh, um, the the coach for the Titans, Vrabel, he came out. Mike Vrabel, other... yeah. Vrabel came out um, uh, two days ago, a day ago, I don't know, but he basically came out and a reporter asked him, we you be trying to win?" And he's like, "Yeah. What? Well, it, it sucks to lose. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to lose games. So yeah, it, NFL teams, NFL players, they have too much pride. They get paid way too much money to go up and just tank. Baseball is a little bit different, where I guess you're able to somewhat do that. But even then, you're still every guy is trying to boost your stats. You're, everybody's playing." for the back of the baseball card.
1: Yeah, if anything, the players are the ones that are gonna get in the way, and the, the coaches, especially are the ones that are gonna get in the way of trying to 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 lose the game, if you wanna call it that, or blow the game, or whatever term you'd like to use, tank. Is,
3: like what's is, going is, on is in Denver is tanking. It, well, they're trying Washington
1: to tank. They might tanking. try yeah. to tank, but but my point is, the players themselves are not going to do that, and they're not even gonna have the risk or the, the audacity to tell the players to do that. For those that uh, did not hear Zach Taylor, Uh, Casey pulled up um, Zach's comments, and we'll let you listen to those right now.
4: Win this game. Yeah. Yeah. Winning, winning period, winning period. I mean, we we wear it all week when we lose. Um, It's way better to win for for everybody's, you know, and and, uh, so that's, that's our plan is to do everything we can to win the game. I don't hear that, so that's that's the first I've heard of it. So we we isolate ourselves from that. So it's not frustrating. We just control. What we control and try to win every game. I can't speak to any of that. Again, it's we do our best to isolate ourselves to where we know what's important. We know how hard we work. Um, I know how much enjoy time I enjoy with this staff and this team, and we owe it to ourselves. We certainly owe it to our fans who have supported us through thick and thin, you know, and been there every step of the way. And and that that is obviously representing our our franchise the right way. And, um, you know, making something that our our fans are proud of is important, but also just as important as all the work we put in together, you know, ending on the right note with a win uh, that matters a lot to us. You know, I I think. um, when all these guys are playing and doing everything and help us win, some of that stuff takes care of itself sometimes. Um, I've been in situations over over 20 years where you try to force things, and it just creates really frustration as a team, not just because you try to go out of your way to do something, and um, it can set you back a little bit. So you just you let things happen naturally. And and if guys hit those, obviously, that's you're proud of those guys for the work they've put in over the course of the last year, over the course of their career to get to where they're at. Um, Love to assist with that any way we ever can, but that is that is a lesson I learned. I remember one time in college we were trying to get a rusher, you know, I think at a thousand yards in the season or or x consecutive hundred yard rushing games, and we kept feeding him. When he needed like four yards, we just kept losing yardage, you know, and and setting ourselves back, and and uh, it it just you know created frustration. So um, lesson learned on that. We'll just let everything always happen organically.
1: So there is uh, Zach Taylor's comments to the media. And, you know, again, whether you want to believe him or not, I don't know. But I do think, if anything, we've got to get to ourselves in a position where play calling, as Reed has said, is the easiest thing to jump on. I think that's the one thing that many people will complain about. In fact, if there's something to, 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 to transition to that... Uh, maybe no better example than the college football playoff when Alabama is sitting at the three-yard line and you run a play that really, quite frankly, wasn't executed well at all, and it looks like a terrible play. You're you're like, what what was that? Right. And if you, if you kind of strip it down or you peel back the onion, you realize that, that there was an opportunity to score if the play was executed perfectly. Now, whether you like the play call or not, more times than not, we all know that it comes down to whether or not the players execute or whether they don't. You try to put them in their best best position you can to succeed. The one thing that has become more and more glaringly obvious to me, though, when we talk about what the difference is between uh, the Nick Sabans of the world and maybe even in the NFL, Harbaugh specifically, is I don't I I don't know if maybe it's just me overreacting because I think at times I think that I am when I'm saying this. But w- what is what has come of the trick place? In, in what I would call critical situations. I'm being relatively serious about this. Well when you're out when you're when you were in Michigan the other day, you're moving the ball. You don't have a problem out physically in the other team. Like you don't have a problem man on man running the football. There that wasn't really a problem. But you decide, once you get a couple first downs that now's the time we're going to run the 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 flea flicker or we're going to run the the, the pass back to McCarthy and you just, you scratch your head and you wonder what exactly is the plan. The one thing I've come to realize, or not realize, but when I, when you're within sport and when, when you're specifically, when I was within baseball and inside of baseball and coaching baseball and doing these uh, recruiting camps all the time and you're around baseball minds, literally constantly, you realize quickly that these people know a lot, a lot about the sport. They are invested in trying to become the very best at whatever they can. But I do think that there is a little bit of groupthink mentality when it comes to those individual cultures. Sometimes you get so invested and so into the weeds on things, it's hard to see what the common person, if you want to call it that, sees or thinks. And when you're removed from it, sometimes you look back on it and you think that's so dumb. So dumb to be like that or to think like that or to do like that. But you are, but you become kind of a part of what it is. It's a cult to a certain extent inside of these circles. And the one thing I keep coming back to is that when you're removed, you can kind of laugh about it, but you can't see it while you're in it. I just wonder sometimes, the one thing I do think, is I think that coaches and organizations sometimes, like all of us, they dig their heels in. And they tried to do something not out of spite, but close to it as you can get, because that's our way. That's what I believe, or that's what, that's the way it should be. So I do think if there was one thing that I could say, Hey, if we're going to complain about play calling, there was one thing that I would, I I could do without. And that's the trick plays, which yes, when they work, we all jump up for joy and we say they're great. But it's hard for me to imagine, and it's hard for me to, 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 to buy into the concept of what coaches always preach when you're in the weight room, when you're at practice, when you got to get up at four in the morning and be somewhere. They always preach, we're going to outwork them. We're going to, we're gonna, mano y mano, be better than them. And that's how we're going to win a championship. That vibe and that culture and, and that belief, I can get behind but when the when the season's on the line, you turn around and you run some trick play because you don't think that you can just do something better than them that's the part you lose me so we'll see to transition we i'm not i I've not you got something to add, Reed?
2: well I was just going to say like like. Trick plays are are the they're so galvanized because yeah it's it's exactly everything you're saying when they work everyone's like this guy's the smartest guy ever when they don't work what the hell are we doing I will for for all the trick plays that haven't worked this year I will ask Bengal fans to recall one of the brightest moments of the Super Bowl of the Super Bowl was a pass from Joe Mixon to T Higgins
3: yeah and and that's a trick play
2: like they they ran a
3: trick play it worked it's one of your favorite memories from that game. And I also think uh, you you can argue, you can look at the Kansas City Chiefs offense and and say what you want this season. But I'd argue they've had a lot of success over the past several years, and their game plan heavily involves trick plays. There is a lot of trickery when the Kansas City City offense takes the field. So I think it's okay to run them. I just think when when they don't work, it sucks. I want to make one comment on Zach Taylor. I I think it's okay to be on the side of Zach Taylor – and not love the play calling, I think that's okay. That's I can true. I can sit I can sit here right now and say I respect the hell out of what Zach Taylor's done over the past several years. We haven't been to a Super Bowl in, what was it, 30 years? So yeah, I, I I I think there is a there's a testament to saying Zach Taylor's good at his job. But I can also sit here and say that there are aspects of his job that I think could be improved by giving that responsibility to somebody else. And I think that needs to be looked at in the offseason. I don't know who you give the play calls to. That's not my job. But I do think it should be looked at. And I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment. I don't think – like it's I, – I saw, I saw a tweet on X.com that somebody, somebody – some Reds fan, some big Reds Twitter account, they said, all right, David Bell, we gave you $100 million. If you don't make the postseason this year, you're gone. And that's the kind of thing where it's – and maybe it's, 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 I, I, it's so much different in baseball, uh, coaching in baseball and coaching in football. Coaching in baseball, like if, if Hunter Green gets hurt or if Eli De La Cruz hits 190, that's not on David Bell. David Bell is not responsible for the, for the play of the players. I do think coaching in football, you are responsible for the scheme. You're responsible for putting guys in the position to make those plays. And I think that's kind of where the, trans- the, the translation gets lost. You, we just extended David Bell. I don't, I don't want David Bell gone. I think he's done a fine job. I don't think you can look back at what Zach Taylor's done and say he's done a bad job. He lost his quarterback. You played the fifth hardest schedule in NFL history, arguably, based on statistics I don't understand. But you've played it, and you've, you've come out the other side with a winning record, maybe, if, maybe, you, win, if you win. If you win, which I think they will. It's, by the, we didn't even talk about it. It's Jeff Driscoll. It's Jeff gonna be, Driscoll Senior Day. It's going to be Return of Jeff Driscoll. I once bought a cameo from Jeff Driscoll. Uh, I don't, if you don't know cameo, basically you pay celebrities, athletes to uh, give you like a video message. It's really stupid. It's a genius It's genius by them because everybody's going to waste $100 on this. I paid, I think, $25 for a cameo from Jeff Driscoll to shout out my fantasy league. Worst $25 I've ever spent, but it's very funny. Can but anyway, the point, the point remains, Zach Taylor is very good at being a head coach in the NFL. Uh, I, I just wish he would change up the play, the, the, the play calls. So when, when it's fourth and one, you decide to take your quarterback and go up the gut, opposed to throwing 10 yards in the end zone. Uh,
1: part of the show here, really quickly, we're going to do uh, some, some quick shout-outs. One thing on some uh, self, kind of, uh, I guess, housekeeping items. We are currently sitting at 10,969 uh nice that is the amount of subscribers we have if you have not subscribed to our channel we would very much you know beg you if you want to call it that to hit the subscribe button it's free as tom would tell you uh like the stream if you haven't already uh tom will be back in the saddle better than ever tomorrow uh, and as obviously promised and for many of you maybe he will bring some content worthy of your ears I I just want to talk before I'm able to to leave here, if you want to call it that. Um, Because when I leave, inevitably, all of the college football playoff will be completely over. Um, We'll be really into the NFL playoffs uh, by that point. College football playoff championship game. Now, I used to sit here with Tom last year, and we used to have hot takes on, you know, you should guarantee this or you should bet that. The, the the system, as Elliot has said this year, has not been as rock solid, but it's certainly still been pretty decent. I know Reed will, will, will at least somewhat defend me on that if he defends me on sure. anything. It's been decent. It's not been unbelievable. I was on Michigan. Yes, pretty heavy against Alabama. And I am going to double up. You know? You ever been feeling so good at the casino where... You throw, you throw whatever you want on red or black, and it hits, and you just let it ride. You're just going to leave it there and let it ride. One more time, I'm letting it ride. I think Michigan is, one, significantly and clearly the best football team if they play up to their capabilities than, than everyone else in the playoff. Of course, my bias will tell you that I do think Georgia could have probably, if they played up to their standard, been one of the few teams that could have beaten Michigan. But if Michigan plays up to their standard, it won't be much of a game. It's not going to be much of a game. Football is a simple sport. We make it complicated. It's a simple sport. Can you dominate the guy in front of you? And I'm going to tell you right now Michigan has that on both sides of the ball. Don't get don't get yourself uh what I would call into this into this fantasy that that Washington has a great offensive line because they won the I don't know what was it called, the, Blit- the Blitnikoff Award or whatever it's called for, for the best offensive line. I don't know what it's called, but it's just like the Pro Bowl. It's just like the All-Pro selections. It's relatively meaningless. Might I remind you, Michigan, their offensive line won that same award the same year. They lost, whatever, 40-3 to to, 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 to Georgia. They weren't able to block them. Washington's not going to be able to block Michigan. And as much as there's this fantasy story about Washington and all that, that's great. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you peel it back a little bit and you put aside I don't want to say put aside, but if you, if you have, if you're a Ohio State fan and many people are in this part of the country, or you don't like it because of who, who they are and you think they cheated, or you just don't like the fact that Jim Harbaugh never answers any questions in a post game interview, no matter what he does. I don't know what it is. But if you peel back the blinders, I'm telling you, Michigan is clearly the better team. It's not even close. I think the line's at four, four and a half. Four and a half. Forget it. Unfortunately, if Michigan plays well, you're not going to get a great game come come Monday. If Michigan decides they want to muff two punts, maybe throw an interception to start the game off, which ultimately didn't end up being an interception, then then maybe you can change my mind. Penix is a great player. I'm not suggesting he's not. But great players look a lot better when they have time to throw the football. I don't see him having a lot of time to throw the football. Couple that with the fact that Michigan has some pretty damn good defensive backs. And yes, you can convince me that, oh, whatever. Tell me how great Washington's wide receivers are if you must. But I was also told that John John uh it wasn't John Ross, excuse me. I was also told that the wide receiver from TCU last year, the Johnson kid, was unbelievable as well. And the grit and determination. Have you seen TCU's quarterback? Yeah. I mean, it all looks well and dandy until you can't till you can't breathe because of the pressure. Not telling you to put your mortgage on it. But I'm telling you, if you're going to wager on the game, at least save your money if you're going to bet on Washington. So that's my going away party. That's my parting gift to you uh, before we get into other topics of conversation. And whether you want to talk about the college football championship, we can. We can talk about the NFL playoffs, which we have already have to a certain extent. But I just don't see in any scenario when Elliott does his little bit and says, when I close my eyes at night and I think about the fact of <laughs> – Michael Penix holding up the championship trophy. I just don't see it.
3: I do think Penix is the best quarterback by far. I think that's. I don't think it's close.
1: I'm not disagreeing with that. I think that if you put Penix on Michigan, they would be. They would be. They would be. Uh, Seventeen point favorites.
3: I think Michigan's the best team, but I, I do think Washington has the best quarterback. And Washington, shout out to them. They've been doubted all year long. College football playoff committee probably hated putting them in because they weren't in the SEC or Big Ten. I I bet against I bet against Michigan because I, I I really do respect the SEC. I think they're I think they're the best conference bar none, obviously. Duh. Duh. Missouri. Duh. Um but saying that, I think I'm gonna go with Trace on this one. I think I'm gonna ride Michigan minus four and a half. I think Michigan's I think Michigan's gonna win. And then when, when the NCAA strips this title in a couple weeks, they'll have the memories.
1: Will they take your money though? No. They
3: will not. Not that we know. Not that we know. Casey, let's do a couple ad reads and super chats before we get on to our next segment. Sure. Yeah. Um Bingles report was brought
0: to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions. For a data centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing modules to improve efficiency and
2: productivity.
0: Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Productivity Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best-tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at p-a-h-h-n-i-water.com to see where you can buy this great-tasting water. And, guys, get your coffee from UDF, technology solutions from Encore, and uh, finish it up with Pawnee
2: Water. That's right. Before we, before we dive in, you know, we just Super chat. we just wrapped off uh, the college football playoff stuff. I was reminded of the – as now the college football playoff and, and the four-team iteration is coming to its end, I was reminded of the first-ever rankings back in 2014. Not the, not the final four teams that got in back in 2014, but the first rankings. You know who the, the four teams were? Who? Coming in at number one was Mississippi State. Oh my God! Two was Florida State. Dak Prescott. Three was Auburn. Jameis Winston. Four was Ole Miss. Auburn was. So two Mississippi SEC schools were in the initial rankings. Was was Auburn
1: was Auburn Cam Newton? He was gone by then, right?
2: He was gone by then. Correct. Jameis. Florida State was was the last year of famous Jameis. Yes. Okay. But yeah. And it ended up being FSU, Oregon, Alabama, Ohio State. Obviously. There's Ohio
1: never State. been a better post-game interview than uh, famous Jameis Winston's uh, post-game interview with uh, Tom Rinaldi after they won the national championship. Was that
2: when he said I wasn't finna lose on my birthday? I believe e- he said w? that
1: and a couple more things. Yes.
2: <laughs> what about the eat the W? That was when he played for the. Yeah. Yeah. That was that. <laughs> that
1: was the pregame. Maybe not the best. Maybe not the best uh, pump up. And then the second uh, all-time post-game interview, or I guess maybe the first time all-time, or first, well, I don't know what I'm trying to say, best post-game interview is when he told you you better check your sheet. That's an all-timer too.
2: When he, when he, when he like Brandon Phillips, joined the 30-30 club? Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the all-time, if you've <laughs> not bawling. seen
1: it, if you've not seen it, it's simply uh, the post-game reporter starts questioning Jameis Winston on whether or not he'll be back and whether or not he's capable of being a starting NFL quarterback. And he says, you know what it is. Uh, he's, we all know what it is. He's obviously referencing his 30 interceptions, <laughs> but he said, if you check, he said, you better check your sheet, everything else I'm elite lead at, but basically is what he's getting at, which is hilarious because I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're elite at everything, but you threw 30 interceptions,
2: which is kind of a uh, pretty important thing. Kind of um, a say it again. Kind of a bugaboo. Uh, before we get going, also super chats from Drew, we already talked about the Shytown. town Super Chat said his wife's listening, said hi to Kelly. Um, Drew said $5, thanks for removing the offensive football. I almost had to leave for the day. We're happy you're here, Drew. And then he sent another one. Dudes have Pro Bowl incentives in their contracts. Then they made the whole thing Mickey Mouse.
1: Mickey Mouse. And I even seen a funny comment how uh, society is – Nick Nick said society has changed so much that it's funny that Mickey Mouse now is a negative connotation.
3: He's in the public domain too. Steamboat Willie is. Oh, not Mickey Mouse? Not Steamboat
1: Mickey Mouse. Willie.
2: Steamboat Willie.
3: Hey, I got a,
1: I got a uh, question to ask the chat. Uh, we have somebody that we know um, that has a $20,000 wager on the Broncos under
3: 8.5.
2: Is it 8.5 or 9.5? It's 8.5. So if they win this week.
1: It's oh. under 8.5. Broncos sit at eight and eight. Play their final game against the Raiders this Sunday. We are debating. We're trying to figure out what the best way of uh, of going about this is. If anybody in the chat feels like you have something to add to this, please let us know. Uh, but it is a legit thing. I also want to say, uh, shout out to Drew for helping us out. He's trying to get us another sports book. But if there's any other sports books watching, I do want to know, or I do want to let you know that I'm looking at it and I have the screenshot to prove it that I referred one person. One person, not, not all the, the millions upon millions of people that we've asked to, 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 to loyally follow us into, into betting sportsbook, but one person that has wagered between September to now um, $295,000. So...
2: That's some know. change. It
1: seems like... That's just one guy. That's just one guy. That's just one person. We also have somebody that has a twenty thousand dollar wager currently uh, with sports with a sports book that we all know who it is for uh, twenty grand on the Raiders. Should he let it ride or should he just not cut his losses? I think that he could put in a money line bet on the uh, Broncos this weekend uh, because they are plus one thirty on the money line. They are two and a half point dogs against the Raiders. Does he let it ride or does he just? Cut it right down the middle. What would you do if you were in his spot? Now I, you gotta realize you, you you make you make pretty good coin read if you make if you got a twenty thousand dollar bet. Yeah. But it's you, still twenty it's here's the one thing I've come to realize, and not that I'm I'm nowhere near I don't know. In fact, I don't I probably I'd be willing to bet there's a significant amount of people that watch a show that make more money than I do. I would almost guarantee it. So my point is, is that I've come to realize though when you're around wealthy people, even though people will say hey, it's it's $20,000, they lost it, but they're worth millions, who cares? It's still $20,000 to those people. Like, they still can go take 20 grand and buy something that's worth $20,000 and they actually receive it. It's not like, oh, it's only five bucks to me and you and Elliot. You know, there's only so much five bucks can buy. $20,000 can buy a lot of things. So go ahead with that I would, in mind.
2: I would, I'm gonna be honest, I'd abort. I'd abort because it just doesn't seem like things... Based on the way, because it's on the Broncos season, they start out, what, 1-5? in five, And you think like you're sitting like me, you think you made the smartest bet ever. And they roar all the way back. And you're like, well, that's dead in the water. Then they sit Russell Wilson, you're like, all right, we got life again. And then they win without Russell Wilson. Yeah, I would abort. I would abort. Yeah, I would just take all my money back. If I would, you I would have, bet if, to where I get all my If you have money
3: enough back. money to throw $20,000 on a bet, you, you can let it ride. You can let it ride. Now I what is what's the spread? Do we know? Two and a half. Two and a half in favor of the Broncos? No, the Broncos dogs.
1: are two and a half point underdogs.
3: Interesting. So I would okay. The Raiders
1: are giving two and a half.
3: I doubled down. Oh God. I doubled down on Broncos plus two and a half. Even if they lose, you can still win your bet. Wait, what? So you're gonna middle
1: it. You're not doubling down. Yeah, you're, not middling down. you're middling it. You're middling it. But
3: to, you could also win twice.
1: Yes, that's middling it, Elliot. Let's let's do. We, do we need? You want to? Uh, do we want to do gambling one-on-one segment right here in the middle of off the bench? We can. So there's the there is a strategy called middling, which yeah. is if you are if you are perceived to have value somewhere else, you usually can live bet middle. That's the that's the real logic here. Uh, or you can find two different sports books at times that are so varying in their lines that you might be able to find somebody where you can get right in the middle of the two lines, and although you can't lose you lose the juice you can win both bets it's a very small margin that we're talking about here so to be clear you're talking about middling the bet take the broncos getting two and a half minus 110 right you also got to realize you have the chance to be clear to stand to lose probably about a thousand dollars or 500 to a thousand dollars because you have to pay the juice on both bets yeah so you can lose the broncos bet right and you could win the over under raiders bet your your juice though those might even out but you're paying the juice out because you owe you owe the books one thing now what you are doing is you are taking the chance to be clear that you could win right in the middle so if the broncos were to lose the game by two or less you would win both bets interesting did i just did i just explain to you your own strategy that you just tried to tell us is that yes. what just
3: happened yep you did thank you <laughs> I've used that strategy before. I think I've told this story, but it was my greatest win of all time. I had uh, um, a parlay that involved all the NFL division winners, and it got down to the last leg, and it was Rams to win the division. And I, and I, I won't tell you how much it won me, but what, what I'll say is that on the last day, I said, If the Rams don't win, I have to hedge. They were playing the 49ers. Shanahan owns the Rams, so I'm like, All right, I'll take the 49ers. Uh, um i think it was uh plus money or cuz or they were pl- they were underdogs in the game so i took the 49ers and i won the hedge and then because the rams lost but because the seahawks also lost that day i won both bets so i won the hedge and then i won the parlay nice. big time nice. uh, buy or sell a
1: couple a couple breaking news things here really quickly and we're going to do buy or sell Um, first, first bit of news comes from Brian. He said that Harrison Bader has signed with the Mets. I know that's not big news, but it is news nonetheless. Thank you for Brian for sharing that. And then something that I followed along with, I know you probably shouldn't theoretically supposed to do this but whatever, but it it's become a phenomenon. Everybody in the world, not world, but everybody knows probably that is watching the stream has a general idea of what it is. Sean broke in the chat that finally, uh, Jersey Jerry has hit a hole in one. So I cannot good for wait him. to see that video. Good for him. I mean, by God, that that is uh, one of the most ridiculous things that I've seen is that somebody is going to we were debating. What uh,
3: should my 24 hour live stream be?
1: Well, I was I was actually disheartened. And I and I and I'll be honest, there's times in life and Reed will tell you this. There's times in life where you're like, you got an opportunity to do what you said you should do and you start to question whether or not the juice is worth the squeeze in that very moment. And more times than not, if you go through with it and you do it, you're thankful that you did because something else happened. And you're like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm just, I'm glad I persevered. And I did it. One thing that I've regretted, and not that I've regretted a lot of things to be quite honest, because more more times than not I err on the side of, Hey, let's do this and just be, be pissed off that we did it and we didn't get anything from it. than be, be, be upset that we didn't do it. I really am pissed that I didn't give you the, the, I should have made you do the Michigan live stream with money on Michigan because you would have been I was ready unbearable. I know you were, and I would have, and it's my fault. I will put my hand up and say that was my fault. I should have done it, and I just was like, you know what? Eh, he probably doesn't want to do that on New Year's Day. I'm making this guy live stream. Uh, also, we have the risk of losing you know, some pretty decent money here. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't do it. I'll just let it go. And I, I, I missed because ultimately, at the end of the day, it would have been funny to hear you complain the whole time about how <laughs> you knew it. You knew it. I knew Michigan was gonna lose. Well, it this was game. always
3: the right play. And it was always the right play. And and
1: I, and it would have been a good live stream. It would, it would have, be. if nothing else, your heart would have been just absolutely. Maybe you would have died. So maybe that's why we, we're thankful. <laughs> maybe I'm thankful we didn't do it. I don't know. All right, buy or sell, Reed Mouse.
2: What? buy or sell listen we're going to rattle off so i have
1: to be like tom and say hit the buttons
2: yes yes you do oh oh oh, oh no oh, oh no oh, 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 oh. oh. Get that off the screen what's
1: going on
2: <laughs> that was a teasy wheezy that, that, that was a
1: tease what was that
3: oh, oh
2: no on, on his top five. all right wow. buy or sell all right buy or sell We'll start it off in the AFC East, kind of a topic we talked about yesterday. But the Buffalo Bills will play for the AFC title. Ooh. Casey, hit that button. Bye bye bye. Bye bye bye. Yep, I'm buying. I'm buying all the way. I think the Bills are the second best team in the AFC. Yep, I think they're going to be playing for the AFC title.
1: It's going to be real crazy when they don't make the playoffs.
3: Good sell because they're not making the playoffs. Oh. I, I, I think the Bills. Listen, I think the Bills could win the Super Bowl this year. Saying that. They are Buffalo. They don't throw to Stephon Diggs. He's going to cry, cry, cry the entire way. They are not getting to a Super Bowl. They are not getting to an AFC Championship game. Uh, Bye-bye, Buffalo. Uh, I do think they probably will win a playoff game, but I I don't think they will win two playoff games. Buffalo Bills, you've been eliminated. Sell, 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 sell. Sell, sell,
1: You ready for Trace's gambling brain to take full effect here? It's getting ready to happen. So usually what happens uh, more times than not, at least the statistics are on your side if you were to do this. One gambling approach would be you take the public perception and you see one team get slaughtered or get basically crushed right. in front of everybody. And that's essentially what happened to the Dolphins. Right. They're a fraud. They're not very good. They just got 56 points hung up on them uh, with the Ravens. The Ravens are for real. The, the Dolphins are not. Look at the Bills. They're playing good football now. They're they're the second or third Best team to possibly make the Super Bowl, and the line comes out, and the, it's a three-point spread. I just, in my mind, feel like the obvious answer here is that Miami, some way, somehow, is going to win this football game. And based off just the logic that I just put up there on the screen yesterday in the playoff predictor, for whatever set of circumstances that has to happen, I'm with Elliot. I think the Bills don't even make the playoffs. So really? I will sell.
2: So you think that the Bills are going to lose?
1: I do think the Bills are going to lose.
2: You think that the Jags are going to – I think the Jags need to lose or Jags need to win or something like that? Well, it's and, one and of those. And the Steelers. Steelers got to win. Steelers got to beat the Ravens. <coughs> I think the Steelers do beat the Ravens. Steelers
1: beat the Ravens because the Ravens don't care.
2: All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Casey, buying or selling? I am selling. Sell, 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 Ooh, sell. everyone in the room.
0: I think that uh, Buffalo will win. They'll get the second seed. They will be mashed up against Houston, and Houston will crush them. Crush them. Absolutely just you throttle Houston? them. Yeah. And then after that, you know, what? what's the point in going over the rest of what I think will happen in the playoffs? They're already out. So, one and done. But I know.
1: So, you got two guys that think that they won't make the postseason at all. One guy that uh, thinks that they're going to get bounced in the first round, and then one that thinks that they will.
2: I yeah. I mean, similar to you, how your um, opinion is based a little bit on siding with Vegas. Yeah. When Vegas thinks that they're the third best odds to win the Super it's Bowl. Fair. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna side with that.
1: I I would argue that if they do make the playoffs, read that it will only get bigger and better. Right. Like yeah. some of that some of that high number right now has the factored in right. a possibility of them not even getting in the postseason.
2: Yeah. All Go right. ahead. Uh, Lamar Jackson will be a unanimous, most valuable player. Just two weeks ago, he was like the third best odds. He's now minus 20,000 or something like that. There will not be another vote for the MVP other than Lamar Jackson. Reminder, this only happened two times, once with Tom Brady, and then the other time when Lamar Jackson won at the first. I am buying this.
3: He will be a unanimous MVP. I am also buying. A couple weeks ago, you could have convinced me that there were legit three contenders for this award. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, and Lamar Jackson. Those two have both been eliminated. We got one guy who's been benched for Sam Darnold uh, in a game where they lost. And you also have Christian McCaffrey, who unfortunately for him, he did get injured. So he did not play a complete season. Lamar Jackson did. Uh, you have to go Lamar Jackson. I, I, I think he is so much. He is so valuable to the Ravens that it, – it, if you take him away, they're bad. They're legitimately bad. So saying that, there's not another vote. Dak Prescott is second in in the odds right now. If you wanted to take a flyer on Dak Prescott, I would not. I think he's going to be unanimous MVP. I will buy, 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 buy.
2: Hmm.
1: I'm going to sell because there's you always that one guy.
2: I think someone yeah. To
1: it's always that one guy it, it'll be somebody um i don't know who it's going to be ultimately but it'll be one person they'll vote for brock purdy or they'll vote for somebody uh, just almost as, as stupid as it is to say it, it's almost because they know that they're the one that stopped them from being a unanimous mvp i could be wrong i don't know um but that's my thought and it's not that he shouldn't be to be clear i would say that he should be but he's not going to be because somebody will will ultimately vote for somebody else
0: yeah, I don't think that uh, it's going to be unanimous. I think he will get MVP. So I'm going to sell. Sell, sell, sell. I think there's always that one guy. And yes, Lamar was the one of the quarterbacks that ever was unanimous, what? right? He was one of the only few MVP uh, winners that was unanimous. But this year is really nothing compared to that year. And I think, like, you look at Josh Allen. I mean, he's got way better numbers in terms of touchdowns. Like you can make arguments for Christian McCaffrey, even though he missed out on a couple games, make arguments for Tyree kill. Like there's going to be someone that goes, Lamar didn't have the greatest quarterback year. Lamar didn't have the greatest rushing quarterback year. So yeah, I think that's you, Christian
3: McCaffrey there. If he doesn't get injured, there is a strong argument I will, I would make for Christian McCaffrey. There is because Christian McCaffrey scored over 20 touchdowns this year. Uh, and carried the 49ers.
2: Will we see a running back or a wide receiver win the award yeah, for a quarterback? The next time that a non-quarterback wins it?
3: Yes. Or a defensive player? It will not be a defensive player ever.
2: Well, I'm saying, I'm asking, wide receiver or running back? It would be a wide receiver. I agree. I think a wide receiver is more likely to win it at this point than Just a running back. Just because of the
3: way probably. the league's gone. The league is now heavy passing. We got quarterbacks thrown for 6,000 right. yards in a season. So,
2: right. All right. Uh, we'll do this final one. And I think this is kind of an interesting case study. If you look at the NFL, um, the NFC North will have two new quarterbacks next year. Every single team in that division has a weird quarterback situation. Kirk Cousins is a free agent, so he could be gone. Who knows what's going to happen with Jared Goff and the Lions? Obviously, they're not very happy there. I mean, they're having a good year, but there seems to be room for growth. Jared Goff might be gone. Everyone's talking about what the Bears should do with that first overall pick whether it is take Caleb Williams or stay with Justin Fields. And then finally, Jordan Love is has taken the pack is more than likely going to take the Packers to the playoffs. Their offense looks a lot better than it looked a year ago with with Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers and he's due 12 million dollars. I think he's going to ask for an extension and I think that the Packers might just say like kick rocks we're not giving you an extension. And cuz he's going to want like 40 million dollars. So all in all, there will be two new quarterbacks in the NFC North next year. As the NFC North uh, expert in the room, Trace Cameron Fowler, buying or an Expert.
1: Um, I am going to sell that. I, I, I think sell, that, sell, sell. Uh, a couple reasons as to why. One, the Packers have invested so much time into somebody that they are going to find value in that, and he already knows the system. He's he's shown progress within the system and within the first year he's there. There's zero chance that I think that that deal will not get done. And I think they should make that deal because I think that, you know, love for all intents and purposes looks pretty damn good if good. you ask me. Um, you jump into the Vikings situation. I do think they'll have a new quarterback, which leaves two other situations at hand. The Lions, that's a, a for sure guaranteed Goff will be there. And then you got last, this is where the the, 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 the seesaw, which way does it go? I do believe that the Bears are going to keep Justin Fields. I think that he's he's played well enough recently that they think that there's something there. And I also think there's something to be said about the idea that if you do keep him, you have an unbelievable opportunity based off the draft picks that you have to kind of surround yourself with the rest of the team that you think you could fill the remaining holes. If you believe that you got the quarterback situation figured out in Chicago, I hope they believe that. If they believe that, then they think in their mind they can fill some holes and probably go and try to win a Super Bowl relatively soon. Now, whether or not that'll happen, I don't know. You can, you, we all know my belief system in, in Justin Fields. I don't, um, I, I don't know what the, the Bears ultimately see in that uh, long-term. I do think, but again, that goes to a great debate that we've had in this office before. What is the right way to go about the NFL? I mean, do you really want to try to find a guy that is going to hang around for 10 plus years? Or do you say, and I'll openly admit, um, I do think Justin Fields is good enough on maybe like a one, one-off year to where if he plays and doesn't get hurt, which is a big if, he can do what Lamar Jackson's done. Yeah, I just don't think that he's a franchise quarterback. I don't think it's one of those deals where this guy's going to be the, the exactly. star in Chicago for 10 years.
2: Right. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Casey?
0: Yeah, I think that the NFC will have – two new quarterbacks I'm starting to I'm trying to figure out if there'll be three I don't think it'll be three I think one of those teams will um sign either Kirk Cousins or 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 keep Justin Fields but I do think those teams are ready to move on to their next chapters like if you just think of it that way I think the Bears are ready to to move forward with something I think the Vikings, they're ready to, to go forward with something new. Um, that's why I haven't even tried to re-sign Kirk yet. Uh, Packers, I, the Jordan Love thing, I think is a really risky experiment. It's one good year, but it wasn't fantastic. You know, it's not um, – I don't know. I mean, they'll probably still give him a couple years, $40 million contract, The the – Average rate for a quarterback now, so I don't know. I guess I'll I'll buy it. Yeah, I think I can convince myself that there'll be two new quarterbacks, but it's a tough ask.
3: I will buy. I will buy as well. I don't think Kirk Cousins will return. I don't think Jared Goff uh, is is long for the Lions. I do think it makes sense for the Bears to get rid of Justin Fields, but I would keep Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is good enough. I I, I don't know. You're taking a risk on uh, Caleb Williams, so I would not I would not draft Caleb Williams. But I'm not a GM. So I, I think there will be new, two new quarterbacks, though. So bye-bye, bye-bye, bye
1: If you're the Bears, do you think it's smarter? Or this is a buy or sell. Do you think it's smarter for the Bears to, to, to punt on both of those guys, as crazy as it seems? Because their, no. value, their value could be significantly high. I'm, 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 let, me, let me rephrase this. If you could get a first-round pick out of Justin Fields, which I think you can. Right. You trade Justin Fields. Then you're sitting at one. Do you do what essentially – they did the previous year to the Panthers and you just do it again because you could argue that I'm not saying he's going to be a bust but you could argue that you could fall back a little bit and get a Drake May and you might have the best quarterback there is anyways and you traded so now you've got so many first round picks I'm not saying it's impossible to fail but it's really close
2: Listen, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, that that's a lot of – if, if you're going to take a quarterback in this draft, I, I'm, I'm on the side of, of Caleb Williams um, just because I think he's one of the best prospects that we've ever seen. I know everyone doesn't like the, the personality there. I know there's a lot of extenuating circumstances there, but, I mean, he's – the talent's there. The talent is absolutely there. I think Everett Henry put in the chat, he said, um, it makes – absolutely no sense to not get Caleb Williams and trade away Justin Fields. Therefore, the Bears will keep Justin Justin Fields. And, yeah, that's what the Bears have always done. I'm actually going to sell this. I think that the Vikings get rid of their guy, but I think, I, I think Kirk Cousins is no longer a Viking, but I think everyone else stays the course. I think that the Chicago Bears are going to make a huge mistake in keeping Justin Fields. I think they'll be all right, but I think Caleb Williams will be a great, great asset, and I think you can get a first-round pick for Justin Fields, so you should get rid of him, reset the clock, start anew whole 9 yards. Instead, you're going to stick with Justin Fields and uh, probably have to give him 50 million dollars here next year and you're just going to put yourself in, in mediocrity even longer. Yeah, I, this is a the reason that the Chicago Bears fans want Justin Fields is cuz they've never seen a good quarterback. Like seriously, like the best quarterback in Bears history is Jay Cutler. So when they see Justin Fields who has flashes of of amazing stuff, they're drawn to that and I understand why, right? Like, I understand. They, they, they don't know what it looks like, but I'm, I, I'm, I would be – I think they're just making the wrong decision. And I think they're going to do it, but
3: I'm selling. So that's buy or sell. Justin Fields has 40 touchdowns in the NFL. How many interceptions do you think he has?
1: 15.
3: 30. 30. Man. That's not including fumbles either. Yeah, yeah. he fumbles the ball. 40 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Not good. Not great, Bob. No,
2: like, and that's the thing is, like – It's one thing if Justin Fields was getting significantly better every year, but like we've seen the flashes of greatness and it's still here in year three or four, still just flashes of greatness. There's not that consistency yet. If there was a consistent greatness factor to him, then you would love it. But you still just see mediocrity, mediocrity. Oh, that's that's incredible. Mediocrity, mediocrity. Oh, that's incredible. It's just not it's not consistent. I would I would reset the clock. I'd start I'd start over, and you've got the perfect opportunity to start over. You really do. You're gonna give you a a rookie quarterback and Caleb Williams, one of the best prospects ever, great weapons. Like the Bears have really good weapons. They have a good tight end, they have good wide receivers, and you can just start anew. And you're gonna have draft picks to build around Caleb Williams. So instead of just digging your heels into Justin Fields, giving him fifty million dollars.
3: You can start new. I just I I don't I don't get what it. What quarterback situation it. would you rather have? The Panthers with Bryce Young or the Bears and Justin Fields? I mean, clearly you'd rather have the Justin Justin Fields um, situation. I'd agree. Yeah.
1: Bryce Young's a, is, is it has to be at least a product of his environment too. Like he can't he's not that bad. Bryce Young, yes, I get he's undersized and all of that, but the reality of the situation is is that you have to have some competency around you. Some I mean, you, you 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 have you want to talk about a uh, absolute dumpster fire of an organization? You know, many people around the the the, the country used to make fun of the Bengals and be, you know, oh it's the bungles, look at them. They've never stooped that low. No. They've never been that low as a franchise as the Panthers are. And I get the Panthers, and I get the that the Browns have won zero and sixteen before, and the Browns are the Browns, and all that. Yes, but the Panthers traded up. To get the number one pick. And they find themselves in a position. Where their roster is so bad. That they have the number one pick again. And the guy they traded up to get. Has struggled. I'm not saying it's his fault or not. But it doesn't matter. And they could have sat there. And you could have argued. They could have had uh, CJ Stroud. Who's clearly in my opinion. Without question the rookie of the year. So you couldn't possibly have messed that up any worse.
3: I agree. Do you think their owner is the worst owner in the NFL? As he, of this he's moment?
2: throwing 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 beer over. on
1: fans. It's not a good look.
2: Ever since he took over, it's been it's been a dumpster fire. I mean, it wasn't long ago that they were in the Super Bowl, which is crazy. Frank Frank
1: Frank Wright gets fired after like five games. Ten months. That's, yeah, t- that, ten that's months his fault. coach. You genuinely can't get worse than where they're at right now.
2: Now now Trace, since you're giving excellent takes. I am on the National Football League.
1: I don't know about that.
2: Let's go ahead and go into your power 5. Who do you oh. think are the top 5 teams in the National Football League? Coming in at number 5, you've got I got to remember these. I
1: got the Bills who aren't going to make the playoffs. <laughs> that's who you had. Um, <laughs> why do you think And that's fine. Hey, you know what? I'll de- I'll at least defend that by saying sometimes the sometimes what you've done previous in the season isn't are isn't who you are now. But sometimes what you did in the previous in the, in the in the regular season catches up to you. That's what happened with the Bengals. Like the Bengals have played good enough football the last half of the season that I'd argue that they're they're just as good. And I get they've gotten mollywopped by the Steelers. But when I look at those two teams, I think if I were to have to play the Bengals and or the Steelers, it would be a toss up. If I was another team, but the first the third first three or four weeks didn't go the Bengals' way and they find themselves in the position they're in. So I I, I will say the Bills. Um, the Eagles are in a situation now where some of this is just clout for me. I think they're playing very, very poorly. I don't think that they, they are who they used to be. But the same way that Reed looks at the Chiefs, I look at the Eagles. And this is the team I think can win it all that nobody wants to give respect to, and that's fine. Cowboys. Cowboys have what it takes to win the Super Bowl. Whether you want to use what they've done in the past to the rationale and the reason as to why you think they can't, that's fine. I get it. I understand it, but don't be surprised when they win it all because they can't. You look at both sides of the ball, Dak Prescott at times this year, I know what you're getting ready to say. They have Dak Prescott, and I think that's a reasonable argument, but at times this year, you can make the Casey's look like the MVP and in the playoffs, It only requires you to play two, three games, not even at an MVP level, but a good level to win it all. Why? Because on the other side of the ball, they have guys. Micah Parsons, if they call holding, he's going to be a problem. Now, whether they call holding on him or not, I don't know. But if they decide to call holding on Micah Parsons, the Cowboys can win the Super Bowl. All right. And then you got the last two who we all know who they are. I think San Francisco is right behind the Ravens. And we've talked about that at length as far as who's the better team. I don't know. I really don't know. I give I give the Ravens the slight edge because schematically on offense, I think that they're a little bit better uh, in regards to what they can and can't do. And I think Brock Purdy shown one thing, and it was that's the reason that they're flip-flopped, is that if pre- if the pressure gets a little bright or if the, pre- if the lights get a little bright and there's some pressure then i think that the interceptions which they weren't all his fault, okay? But that's going to linger in the back of his mind if he feels like he sees the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl. That's my top 5.
2: All right.
3: Ellie Roo. Let's go, baby. Uh, number 5, you could argue they're the one of the coldest teams in the NFL right now. I do think I do think the Eagles are good enough to win a Super Bowl. I'll say that right now. Jalen Hurts is good. He's they've good. got they've got an elite uh, a wide receiver room. Uh, Devontae Smith's been awesome. A.J. Brown's a beast. I think. Listen, I, I I know the defense hasn't looked great. They just gave up thirty something points to Arizona and lost the game. Saying all that, the stock is as low as ever. I would buy stock in the Eagles to win this Super Bowl. I think they're I think they're as good as anybody in the NFC. So uh, you can try to sleep on them. I just think I still think they're elite. Number four, we have the Browns. I really believe if there's ever a year for the Cleveland Browns to get to a Super Bowl, it's this year. The AFC is wide open. I think Joe Flacco is playing the best football in the NFL right now, not just in the AFC. He's playing the best football in the NFL. I, 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 I think uh, – uh, what was that? What was that? What's that over there?
0: I mean, that's just not a serious take. But go
3: on. Go no, on. well, why is it not a serious take? Go ahead. Go no, ahead. Why, no, why don't, why you, don't explain you explain? Huh? Why I, want to wh- I want to know why you think that. Huh? Why
0: not? I want to know why you think that. Why because think- he has
3: 13 touchdowns, it's the most. Uh, it's the most touchdowns in the NFL. How many so interceptions does he have in that
0: time frame? That doesn't matter. He has 13 <laughs> touchdowns.
3: Okay. It's all about scoring points. The Browns are number four. They can get to a Super Bowl. Number three, uh, the Bills. You think Again, they're not going to make the postseason? I think they're not making the postseason. But saying that, I still it think makes if you they, wonder if, what if, those stakes were, <laughs> I, I think I think if you, <laughs> I think, I <if>, to <laughs> I'm I'm get out of this. The Bills, on paper, are the third best team. Uh, in the NFL right now. The issue is they don't win as many games as they probably should have. So I do think they're a top-five team in the NFL. Uh, Unfortunately for them, they're just not going to make the playoffs. So that sucks. And then 49ers, Ravens, we all know those two.
2: All right.
1: I can't wait to see these next two top power
3: fives. Browns are going to get to a Super Bowl, and I'm cheering for them. Man. I'm cheering for the, I'm cheering that for the Cleveland. Makes Brown.
2: me so mad it boils my. Brain Why? That,
3: the, I'm okay. It's boils. not Deshaun Watson. I'm cheering Boiled. for Joe Flacco. It's not even. A, I don't care. It's not the Deshaun Watson. Thing. I'm it's the cheering Brown. for. Jo- yeah, even their their terrible fan base. Joe Flacco is a guy who was 38 years old. He was sitting on his couch playing solitaire with his mom, and now he's he's, he's quarterbacking in the NFL. A team that's used now it's that's going to use its fifth quarterback on Sunday. I think they're a damn good team. They lost Nick Chubb. They've dealt with injuries the whole season, just as many injuries as the Bengals have had, by the way. And I think they're America's team. Not the Cowboys. I think the Browns are America's team. Fair enough.
2: All right. This is my top five. Uh, I mean, no surprise at who's going to be number five. It's uh, it's old Patty and the Kansas City Chiefs. So listen, they've got a top five defense. They've got a top five defense. And on the offensive side, they got the best quarterback in the game. If you guys like – if we're going to give the Eagles credit for having a bottom – bottom third defense, and a, and a good offense, then I can do the exact same thing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Dude. They're going to win their division. They're going to play some home games. Um, I, yeah, the fifth best team in the league. Coming in at number four, another AFC team. I actually finally put the Cleveland Browns. Yes! They are as solid as it comes, pretty much everywhere. Joe Flacco's playing good football right now. Um, it, it, it has, for the past five years, they've had a great roster. It's just been, can they figure out the quarterback position? I think there was a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks that they had there before. Baker Mayfield had so much pressure on him to, to get the Browns over the hump. Deshaun Watson comes in, same thing. A lot of pressure on him to get the Browns over the hump. Joe Facco's playing loose, and for that reason, I think that the Browns are playing a lot better. So they're our number four. Similar to these guys, I have the Bills at number three. Let's go. Now, unlike these guys, I think they're actually going to make the postseason. Um, I think the Buffalo Bills— I think they could. Listen, Josh Allen is— you watch him and you ask yourself, do they ask him to do too much? A lot of the times they do. But he's also incredible. Like, he, he really is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He can score almost single-handedly for the Buffalo Bills. They've got nice weapons. they got a nice defense. They're playing good football at the right time. Give me the Buffalo Bills. And then number two is the 49ers and number one is the Ravens. Same as these guys. I mean, these are the top two teams in the league. Um, if you take these two teams to win their conference, literally a parlay of that wins like three to one. That's how much Vegas likes these two teams to win the America, uh, NFC and
3: the AFC. So those are the best two teams in the NFL. So can that's you, my me, top can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you close your eyes? So you're closing your eyes. Yep. And it's the second weekend in February. You say this about you say this about Brock Purdy. You say this
2: about. I, but, 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 but let me do it. And you can't imagine a 38 year old Joe your Flacco. Eyes, your holding eyes right.
3: are open. Your eyes are open. Close your eyes. Joe Flacco is hoisting up the Lombardi again. For the second time with the Cleveland Browns, I would turn it off. It. I could I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't
4: picture it. I'd turn it <laughs> off. I don't want to see that. Okay, that's, that's fine. That's
2: an absolute. That's a big old no. It's a big old no. That's a shame. Those were our power rankings. I know I didn't have Casey's in there because he's a stink list guy. He does his stink list, so we'll have that. So Trace, to to round out this show, we uh, in the final ten minutes we will do my power five and we'll do a cherry on top. But your and, top five, my top five, and your we'll get top to that five. eventually. But uh, any other things on your mind as we? Well, I was to
1: wondering if this was going to happen, and it did happen. And I think the most disrespected, and rightfully so, but the most disrespected team in the NFL is not the Cowboys, but the Browns. I think it's the Miami Dolphins. No.
4: I get why.
1: I get why. Right. I get why. And would you tell me if I had to put my hard-earned money on the Dolphins to win the whole thing? No. But they might be one of the most disrespected teams that have, have that has uh, a very very high likelihood of winning their division. And a when I say high likelihood, a, I think it's going to happen. And yeah. on top of that, they're going to find themselves in a position where, you know, we would all agree that they probably will win their first playoff game.
2: If they're on the road, then they'll have to. If they if they if they lose, then they'll have to go to Buffalo.
1: And if they no, win, no, no,
2: no, no, then they'll have to go to Kansas City. and Apologize.
1: If they if they were to win, though, they had have a, they'd have a home game against against the seventh um, seed, so it'd be like the Texans or something like that, right?
2: Or the maybe the Steelers.
1: Steelers would be their best chance.
2: But uh, listen, I if I did a top ten, the Dolphins would have been six. Okay, I, I I think they're. I would have put them in before the Cowboys or the the Eagles, and I think I think the 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 Dolphins. It's such a weird. I like their coach. I like their weapons. I just uh, – they've had a very emotional two weeks. They, they, they felt disrespected two weeks ago, and they welcome in the Dallas Cowboys who was, beating, who, who was beating everybody up, and they beat them, right? Beat them 22-20 at home, and they're like, hey, put some respect on our name. The Dolphin, Where the Dolphins were really good. And they go out and they lose by 40 to the Baltimore Ravens. That's, that's an emotional two-week stretch. And now they're playing with the division on the line at home against a team that they've lost nine out of the last ten times against. I'm not saying that it can't be done. I, I really think they're the sixth best team in the league. I just didn't have them in my top five.
3: Yeah, they lost by two touchdowns to the Eagles. They lost by four touchdowns to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and how many how many ever touchdowns? That's six and a half touchdowns they lost to the Ravens by. They've beaten one team with a winning record. Right. And it They've was beaten the, one team. It was
2: the Cowboys two weeks ago. Their wins are against the Patriots, Panthers, Giants. Chargers. They have 11 wins, right? Yep. Is that
3: it? Yep. One has a winning record. mean that's let the me, most fraudulent team in the NFL. Let me defend Trace a little bit.
0: I think if they were fully the healthy, Dolphins that, that team, team is a really, really dangerous team. I think that they were never at their full potential. I mean, they were at their full potential. Yeah, they were. No, no. They weren't at their full potential for maybe like a week or two. Because they never had Jalen Ramsey at the beginning of the year. They lost Jalen Phillips like week 12. They just lost Bradley Chubb. They lost... Devon A-Chain for a while, like they they've been they've been hurt. Uh, that's not an excuse, but like I think to Trace's point, like team is very slept on. If they're healthy, I think that they could have you know made a lot of noise. I just don't think at this point at this point in time that the Dolphins can can do it. Who's, most, I, who's listen?
2: I th- I think that we as as people in the media throw around the word fraud. I think too much in the NFL, and I and I'm. Victim of it as well. If you win 11 games in the NFL, regardless if you've only beaten one team over 500, if you win 11 games in the NFL, you're a pretty good team. Like
1: yeah, you're sure.
3: you
2: a pretty good team.
3: That, that doesn't...
1: That was the point I was trying to illustrate. You don't, you don't,
3: you, it's not a fluke when you do that. Who do you think's being slept on more, the Dolphins or the Lions?
2: I think...
1: The Dolphins.
2: I think the Lions are. I think it's the, I think Lions. the Lions. I think the Lions are too.
3: I think, like, Casey just, people, Casey like, just people, went on a rant about how, like... They were never fully fully healthy. Right. Uh, you know, they have a ton of talent. Nobody says anything about the Lions. Well,
0: I love the Lions. I just don't know if I trust Jared Goff when, they, when he's got pressure in his face, which, to be fair, there's only a few teams in the league that can really bring the pressure to them. Unfortunately for the Lions, two of those big teams are in the NFC, like the Cowboys, like the 49ers. So it's just – it's tough to see them making it past those two teams. But I think that they have a serious chance against the rest of the teams in the NFC, which is why they're third at the current moment.
2: 20, or Sean Conner puts in the Chiefs plus 425 to win the AFC is an unbelievable price to hedge any Ravens tickets. Please don't make that bet. As the as the Chiefs slappy in here, I really, I, it feels like you're almost giving too much credit to that team. And I know I'm the guy that always goes like, they've got the best quarterback in the league, they've got the best coach in the league, and a great defense. They should be good, but it feels similar to last year when Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, people were like, I'm telling you, some magic's going to happen with the Bucs. They're getting in the postseason. Don't sleep on the Bucks." And you're like, but I've watched them all year
3: long. I've watched them all year long. They don't look that great. That's the Kansas City 40 Chiefs. dropped passes are going to catch up to the Kansas City Chiefs eventually here. 40 drop
1: what's the passes. what's the what's the uh odds on to win the Super Bowl for for the Niners and the uh, it's plus 200 for the
2: Ravens Niners. it's plus 200 for the for the Niners it's probably like plus 400 for the Ravens
0: you know Elliot some might say that actually the Chiefs are due to catch a few passes instead of drop them I don't think so
3: I think I I I don't think that's a very good take because eventually you know when you play 17 games Eventually, uh, you gotta catch a ball, right? I guess at some point. Canarius Tony is, uh, I guess, he's hurt. So, in all seriousness, you won't drop any. The no.
2: Buffalo Bills having the third best odds to win the Super Bowl, and they like might not even play in the postseason. It's is is hilarious. Is is so crazy.
1: Would you take the uh, Would you take the field? This is a buy or sell. Would you take the Would you take the field or the uh, the Ravens and the Niners?
2: I would take the Ravens and the Niners. If it's even money, I would take the Ravens and the Niners. If you're giving me the best two teams from each division at even money, I would take them over the field. I
3: would hammer the field. Hammer it.
0: I mean, there's a simple way to, like, actually make a logical decision on this. You just look up how many teams were the number one seed, went to the Super Bowl and won it, and you have your answer there. I feel like a lot of the time maybe that answer skewed because it's like Kansas City, Patriots have won it so many times. Well, yeah, but, the number but, one seed. But even seed. even before, <laughs> but even before those dynasties, like, there's teams that were the number one seeds, or like we, we have two number one seeds that we're playing with here that ended up going to the Super Bowl at least. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna look it up here in a second. I'll, I'll you, tell you. You that could info. win.
1: You could win good money if you decided
0: to take the field
1: and you just placed a wager on probably four or five contenders that are outside of those two. Twenty five of forty
3: eight. Um. 15.
1: I, I think if there is a outside chance of one team making a run that seems like a dark horse to win the whole thing, it's going to be the Lions, um, and you could get some Lions crazy. twenty-one. You could get some crazy value, I think, out of the Texans, which I know is ridiculous, but the Texans. I mean, it's a flyer. It's a lottery ticket. That's what you do in gambling. Sometimes you gamble. That's the point.
3: I think Rams have the best value, and Texans are eighty to one. That is true. Texans are 80 to 1. 80
1: to 1. Yeah, I like It's a lottery Rams, ticket. It's a lottery Rams. ticket. They're not supposed to do it. They're probably not going to do it, but you can also get yourself in a position where you can start hedging pretty hard yeah, if you get win, close. I mean, if, if you got eighty-one, if you got an 80 to 1 ticket, you really need the Texans to get to the AFC Championship game, yeah, and then, then from there, then you make you're making money. money. Right. Making good money.
2: If they win two games, then you're making money. But if they're going to do both. they got to win two games.
1: Field. That's not an easy feat.
2: Probably. Rams are sixty to one. Are the are the 20.
1: Texans the Bengals of old? Are the Texans That's the Bengals in Joe Burrow's first season where he got them to the Super Bowl? Some not first saying. season, but the you, but the season which he got in the Super Bowl.
0: Some Casey's saying. been saying
2: that for a while. A lot of people have been saying that because it's a young coach. It's a it's a team that everyone wrote off before the year, like projected four wins, all that yada yada. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. They they do have some exciting pieces. I I am going to use this time to uh to bring this point. I put it in the chat earlier that if the Bengals win on Sunday, they are only one loss. Short of what they were in 2021 when they went to the Super Bowl, which is if, if that puts perspective into to this season. But yeah, um, no, I don't believe that the Texans or the Bengals evolved. Can
1: we at least agree on one thing? We're going to do Reed's top five right after this. Um, can we agree that the reason that many people really have a sour taste in their mouth about the Cincinnati Bengals is not their record; it's because of who they lost to. I mean, when you don't win in the division, correct? The that's Titans. the problem. That 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 right. really is the issue. If you would have said, if you just said, "Hey, they lost to the Niners. They lost the Niners, but they beat the Browns once." Well, no, I shouldn't say that because they're going to beat the Browns this weekend. But they beat the Steelers once. They lost to the Seahawks, which they shouldn't have lost, but they did beat the the Ravens once. I feel like the fan base would feel a little bit better with the records being the same in those scenarios than they do with the fact that they've not beat anybody in the division, which oh, definitely matters a little bit.
2: 0 oh and five in the division certainly leaves a sour taste in your mouth. There's no doubt about that. And, and, and you're right. Like I just, I like just bringing up these points because they're 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 not like opinions. They're just facts. Like if they win on Sunday, they are one game worse than that they were in 2021, playing the hardest division, playing the hardest schedule that this league has seen in 20 plus years. All those things are true. Yeah, it's it's just a sour taste that you went 0-5 in the division, and I once again throw the throw the excuses out there that Joe Burrow was was never healthy in any of those games. Um, also, I think the Titans game stings tremendously going into Tennessee and getting getting the break speed off you. Tyler Boyd catches a pass. We'd be having a lot more fun talking this week about this Bengals Browns game. Um, yeah, it, it certainly just stings because. Of where the expectations were going into the year and then you not winning a single game against your division. So that being said. Oh, you guys were talking about the Texans being eighty to one to win it all. I mean, there's a there's a more than good chance that they don't even make the postseason. Like they are a pick'em this week to even make the postseason on the road, which is crazy. So I mean they've essentially got a playoff game this week on the road.
0: They'll season. beat the Colts.
2: They'll beat the Colts. They might
1: Find out. All right, this is the part of the show where we are—we're re- getting ready to wrap things up. But first, before we do that, we got to do a read top five. I know Casey was thinking about the United Dairy Farmers cherry on top. We're not quite there yet, but not we too- are going to do reads top five. Where if you know anything about this program, starts great ends even better.
2: I think I'm going to go with a different format. I think I'm going to go with a different oh, format really? this week. All
1: right, Reed, take it away.
2: Yeah, so a lot of news, a lot of news in this week uh, revolving the Cincinnati Reds. And you know that my heart bleeds Cincinnati Reds. Um, so I wanted to take this time to talk about Frankie Montas. Frankie Montas, who the Reds just signed for one year, $16 million deal. I went out and I, I put a little package together. I put a little package together. So without further ado, Reed's top five this week is Frankie Montaz's top five highlights from 2023. (laughs) So coming in at number five is a called strike to Javi or to to Salvi, Salvador Perez. Look at that. So that was number five. Here's number four. It's a strike, swinging strike. That's number four. Giving number three, here is, he fooled MJ Melendez fooled him. What about this guy? Who's this jabroni? Oh, it's Nelson Velasquez, swinging strike. Good job, Frankie Montez. And then finally, oh, another swing and a miss. Who's this guy? It's Logan Porter and a strikeout. That was all five of the highlights of Frankie Montas because that was all he pitched last year. That was all he pitched last year. He got one and one third outs. If If he gets the same production out of the... If he has the same production this year for the Reds, the Reds will pay $4 million for each one of those swinging strikes. So congratulations. Get crawled, everyone. That was the top five highlights of Frankie Montaz from last year. Thank 16 you for that mil. Time. 16 mil. Remember uh, 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 remember last year, you Reds fans, laughing, I can't believe the, Red, the Cubs signed Cody Bellinger for $17 million. You just signed a jabroni who had one and a third innings pitched. For $16 good luck.
1: And the same thing that happened with Cody Bellinger is probably going to happen with Frankie Montas. They return to old self, old form, and they're a great signing. So I thank Reed for reminding me of that. Reed really just cemented why you buy low. Because ultimately you have the chance to sell high. That is if you're the Cubs and you let, uh, I don't know, maybe a guy... Like um, Marcus Stroman walk right out the door and get nothing for him when you could have gotten a boatload of things for him right around the trade deadline. Could have also gotten Cody Bellinger. Could have gotten a lot for Cody Bellinger at the trade deadline and then just turned around and re-signed him. So you could have restocked the farm system. But instead, what you decided to do is you decided to hold on to him. Why? Because you can just watch your 92% chance to make the playoffs tank right into the oblivion. You can watch a guy like Suzuki just drop fly balls in right field. You can watch Ronald Acuna Jr. steal his 100th base of the season, break every record there is known manageable, and then watch all the fans of the Chicago Cubs complain because, well, it got into the flow of the game and it made it to where they just weren't able to get back on track and beat the Braves. And instead, they lost and they lost and they lost and they lost. And then they would win, but then they'd lose again. And at the end of the day, they found themselves right in the same place we were. Nah. we're just sitting on the couch, oh. watching the playoffs. Yeah, But it's a new year. It's yeah. a new day. The Reds, unfortunately, for the Cubs, they have prospects. They have guys that are coming up that might be a little bit better than the guys that the Cubs have. We'll find out. We don't know. But Vegas, I know one thing that is true. Vegas if you're a Cubs fan, Cubs you will ultimately always, always, always be disappointed. That's because true. that's just what that fan base has always done. Their entire career. When but I, as always, as a quick reminder, if you're down on your luck and you're not feeling good about yourself, there's <laughs> always that one chance because it just might be your day. And today might be your day. You could be like the Cubs and win the World Series. So go buy a lottery ticket. You just never know. You might get lucky once. Here is the cherry on top presented by United Dairy Farmers. We love United Dairy Farmers. <laughs>
2: This is from
0: Kirby. This is from Kirby. He wanted us to react to uh, grambling women's basketball. Crowd. Okay, I'm watching. Yeah, big crowd. Getting no, fired this, up. I saw this final score. Like the Power
1: G. Big time. Let's see what we got here.
2: Good tip. Good tip.
1: Nice. Oh. Love that. Nice. Yeah. Bucket. That's a good bucket. That's
2: a good bucket.
1: This is on ESPN Plus. Press. graphics at the bottom. Full court press. Okay. Yeah.
2: Broke it. That's not Broke quite it. how
1: you break Broke the press, it. but... Ooh. Oh, the baseline cam. Love that shot. Oh, out
2: of oh
1: oh, what are we doing?
0: Oh, now it's twenty-nine nothing. Oh, <laughs> oh my man. gosh,
1: what happened?
2: Okay.
0: And these are quarters, by the way.
2: Time out. Are they playing
3: a school called Biblical Studies? Yeah. Did yep. they
1: did they think about praying?
3: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think God's on their side.
1: I uh, maybe God just doesn't care.
3: What's that score now? Fifty-eight.
1: 4 At least to about four? basketball.
3: Fifty-eight to four, huh? What?
1: What? What? How long is it? 117?
2: This is in the third quarter. What?
0: The fourth quarter. We're not even in the fourth yet. Oh, man. 13, 136. <laughs> By uh, the way, Grambling has lost five games this year.
3: Oh, biblical studies. Biblical studies is oh, not won a she game for the yet. Hoop?
0: Oh.
2: oh.
3: Biblical studies.
1: Look at the smile. I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I don't know.
3: <laughs> <in the laughs> high five line. I, uh, well, a shout out, shout yes. out, yes.
2: shout out to production that is, truck. truck. That is production truck. Love that. It.
1: I don't know, man. Kirby, well, thanks for that cherry on top, but I, I, I what's the point?
0: Look at the, the stats there at the end.
1: Why even schedule the game? Go ahead. Let's, let's Liam. show look him. At the numbers here.
2: 70 for 119 from the field. What? Pretty good.
1: Oh. First of all, you're one for 14 from the line. Let's work on that. That's one thing that we can't get better at because the other team doesn't have an advantage in regards to being able to stop you. <laughs> we well, got- you definitely can get
2: worse.
3: I don't think you can. The yeah, of can. Of
1: you can. The College of Biblical 15, Studies. One for 15
2: or over 14. I'll tell you here in a second. I have a feeling they were all in that 460 court. undergraduates.
0: 400 and what?
2: 60 undergraduates. So very similar to Wilberforce, who Miami played last week.
3: Did Miami win that game? Ooh.
1: <laughs> Rick says thou shalt shoot and miss. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. That's good comedy. All right. Well, I guess it's the part of the show where I segue and I tell you that it's a blessing to be able to do this each and every day with you. And uh, I know many of you probably are wondering what in the hell we're going to talk about tomorrow because I don't know. That's Tom's job, not mine. But I will be, uh, like I said, hopefully getting rid of my phone, throwing it into the abyss for quite some time. And... Uh, coming back and hopefully everything's not on fire but if it is on fire so be it we'll put it out we'll, we'll move on another day i trust i trust the guys in this room to figure it out we'll find out if they do but i'm pretty confident they'll figure it out but if you got any money that's uh what we call uh just like some extra income or just laying around you got nothing to do. see if you can't just invest it in the stock market that is sports books and uh, put it on michigan to win the national championship because that's what's going to happen it's easy money easy money now we got to do it responsibly of course so don't come back to me if it doesn't work out because it is gambling at the end of the day but i just want to say thank you uh i will be back
0: here in short order casey has some news for you though uh it's more just letting you know programming notes we are doing a, a gaming stream yeah, we are uh that's at what time we want to do that fellas let's
1: do that let's do that uh later in the day if we can 3:30? Three thirty. Three thirty is
3: good with let's me 3 3 3 o'clock 3 it takes, o'clock it, it takes longer three than o'clock I think we should probably do 2:30 because I think it takes a lot longer than you. we played like two games. What
1: well, it's it's as long as uh, what what are we uh, ultimately going to end up playing? That's for you to decide, I guess. Or we to decide? Are we gonna? I I,
3: I I personally I want Redemption in Madden, but
1: okay. Also, I I'll I'll play um one game. I'll have to talk to you guys after the show, obviously, but I'll play one game of uh of some battle royale just one I got I got some stuff I got to get done but maybe one game just so you guys can laugh at me that's all okay. we'll, we'll be a little more clean and okay. organized for our members I'm sure at some point but in the meantime Elliot will play some Madden he's gonna have to get his revenge from his lateral that I seen on uh on x.com not sure how that even happens if we're being quite frank a, I think it only happens when you don't know how to play the game but that's here nor there. We'll be back later today. Keep an eye out. We'll obviously, if you hit the notification bell, it'll let you know when we go live. That's the most important thing you can do right now, is hit the notification bell. We'll let you know when you go live. It's also gonna be a member only stream. So thank you to all of our people that, that support us and become members. I'm sure we'll have a, a hell of a time yelling at each other and making fun of each other during that stream later today. It sounds like it's to be determined. We went from 2.30 to 3.30 to three. It'll be around that time frame. but until then, Thank you for uh, listening to me saying some stupid stuff on this microphone for the last two days. And then uh, congratulations to Tom on his uh, arrival back here tomorrow. And until then, take care, everybody.